Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Standing on My Soapbox, the daily rant and radio show. We talk about all of the good, bad, and the ugly of current events. Join your host, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. You, our listeners, are invited to call in and stand on our soapbox with us. Call 347-989-0126 between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That's 347-989-0126. Now, here are your host and creator, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. Well, thank you, Katie, and welcome, everyone, to another episode of Standing on My Soapbox. It is Hump Day Wednesday, May 8, 2019. I am your host, Scott Fullerton, and just a little bit, we'll be joined by my co-host, Mr. Craig Hurley, calling in from beautiful downtown L.A., Hope you guys are having a fantastic week so far as we get halfway through. Uh, We appreciate you tuning in every Monday through Friday at 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern time for an hour of great talk radio where we talk about everything going on in pop culture, politics, the news of the day. And you are invited to call in and talk about any of those subjects or some of your own at 347-989-0126. Looking forward to hearing from you, 347-989-0126. So thank you very much for calling. We're going to have Craig calling in in just a bit here. And uh, what's on your mind today? Give us a call. Let us know what's going on. All sorts of stuff going on in the news. I have had a killer day already today, so I have to get myself on the stick of everything. I still have leftover topics from yesterday to go over. Of course, it's a huge political news day today. We had the House Judiciary Committee deciding whether they were going to hold Barr in contempt of Congress, and that was a whole show. After uh, immediately preceding it, of course, our president decided (coughs) to invoke executive privilege and not allow anyone to appear before any committee because they are just trying to obstruct, obstruct, obstruct. It's very, very sad. So we will have to see what's going on there. Um, I'm not even sure if uh, they were able to hold him in contempt yet. So I'm going to pull up all the breaking news as we go here while we wait for Craig to call in. Um, It's been one of those days, guys, I'm telling you. I am just a little behind the times. So we'll catch up. But the president did exert executive privilege today over the Mueller report um, right before the um, before the uh, excuse me the um, contempt charges. Uh, the Justice Department informed the House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler that moments before that the uh, are going to extend executive privilege on everything having to do with the Mueller report. So basically, it's saying that we're disappointed that you've rejected the Department of Justice's attempt to delay the route of the committee. Of course, they've been only giving them two months to get this done. By doing so, you've terminated an ongoing negotiation and abandoned the the recommendation, the accommodation process uh, from their April 18th subpoena. Now it is now 9-9. They've had plenty of time to get this done, but they are not getting it done. 
So they are going to obstruct, obstruct, and obstruct. Craig Hurley, how the heck are you? Is anything charged at the, at the port? What's that? Is anything being charged? Is anything being charged? Are we talking about Barr? Yeah, we are talking about Barr. He is, uh, I believe he is officially in contempt. Um, I'm I'm catching stuff up as we go here, but it looks like um, they gaveled in a while back, so it looks like they're going to do it. They're set to vote. Um, it, It hasn't been updated, so I'm guessing it happens. It happened. I'm not sure yet. I've been out no, all day, no, dude. I'm having a right day. After, dude, it, it happens right after we get done with the show, usually, like three o'clock. Exactly. On some shit, or I mean, like five o'clock in, in uh, New York time. So. Yeah. yeah, I've had the day from hell here, so it's like I'm not even ready really? for anything right now. Yeah, it's just been a little crazy. A little yeah. crazy. Um, we there was a thing in our paper the other day about this new um, solid landfill waste that are taking um, recyclables for the hazardous waste recycle, which are old TVs, microwaves, and things like that. We have this like 800 pound TV, box TV, solid state thing. It's been sitting in our garage for a year because we can't figure out how to get rid of the damn thing. So plus a microwave that's been there for a year. 1991. It's It's basically something like that. Exactly. And it's considered hazardous waste to get rid of it, so you can't yeah, just dump absolutely. it anywhere. So right. we we had this thing in the paper a day and a half or a week and a half ago that said we will be taking um your old TVs for free on Wednesdays from from nine to five. It's like beauty. So we planned on going this Wednesday, got up early this morning, packed this whole thing, it's like a forty minute drive to get to this place. Um, called them and said we're coming last week to check on it, where it's at and everything. Didn't hear a word, and then uh didn't seem to be any problem. We drove out there 40 minutes this morning. It's not in our county, and they won't take from other counties, so they wouldn't take our TV and microwave after driving there 40 minutes today. So yeah, I uh, – I'll have a way to recycle if you're not going to take people's Exactly. TV. I mean, I'm I'm one county over literally a mile and a half from their county, a line, but in the wrong county. So they wouldn't take this. So I have this in the back of my car. Uh, Mom's with me, took her out to eat. I left my phone on the table when we were out to eat, so I had to go pick that up after the show today. I have no phone. I'm using my mom's phone right now. And then on the way back, I didn't find out I didn't have my phone until we get back, and we stopped at Walgreens because I finally am waiting for the second round of the shingles vaccine I took five months ago, and you only have six months to take the two vaccines, but they're having a shortage of it across the U.S., so they finally got it in. We got a call yesterday, so I go to get my vaccine shot today, and I realized it on my phone to check on something, so that's why I found about my phone. So now my left arm hurts from my shingles vaccine, so I'm a freaking mess right now. No notes. I'm just right, winging it, dude. Well, and then you didn't call in on time. Which gave me more stress. No, I was like, yeah. I, my phone was on, my phone was on the charger because it died like right before, like a half hour ago. So I, I put it on the charger, and then I just forgot about it, and then I went and turned it on, and it said 102. And I'm like, what? 102? I'm supposed to call already. <laughs> so, sorry about that. Uh oh. It's all good, man. How's your day? I mean, you had a big, uh, big busy day yesterday and today. Things going yeah. good out there and. Beautiful downtown, sunny California. 
Yeah, everything's going great. Got to see my daughter again yesterday, so it's cool. Beautiful. Cool. Yeah, I love the West Coast. I miss the West Coast. I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to spending five weeks there. Coming up very, very short. I'd leave tomorrow if I could. If yeah. I could afford the extra two weeks. <laughs> there's this there's this delivery service. They deliver marijuana, and they have this thing called a space bar. Oh my God! I took two bites of this thing, and I was just toasted for like five hours. <laughs> what is it called, and where is it from? A space brownie. It's uh, uh they have um, uh, it's a delivery service in in Pasadena that uh, that delivers marijuana. So and they have this thing called a space brownie. And it's oh, it's really good, it's really 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 good. Like you only need two bites. All that's all I needed, and you know I'm a professional, so I all I needed was like two bites, and dude, I was lit for like five hours. It's crazy. Nice. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Good times out on on the West Coast. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with the other states, but uh, you know here. Well, I you know I know Colorado because I just drove through there, um, and they've got some really good edibles as well. And uh, uh, but uh, yeah, California had an edible that just kicked my ass. Um, but really cool. Uh, I'm glad to see you know that everybody actually along in this. I, I don't know why Ohio has jumped in. I don't know why. Um, uh, what you call it? Uh, Illinois actually. I mean Pritzker. That's why he got. Um, uh, elected as governor was because he's legalizing weed and he's opened up the dispensaries, but he hasn't gotten to there yet. So he's he's still busy going through the red tape. Are you there? Or did my phone? Yeah, I'm. No, I'm listening to you. I'm listening to you. I got you. Yeah. No. What? Yeah. No. Ohio's taken forever. I mean, that we approved it two years ago, and they're just now getting some dispensaries set up now. But uh, it's yeah. The first two are open, and that's it, the entire state right now. Yeah, they legalized, and then bam, they open up a dispensary immediately. And I think because they can trust the um, uh, Las Vegas or and or Nevada police, um, because they've always been actually very trustworthy. Uh, I played a I played a North Las Vegas police department when I was I mean a police officer in Nasty Boys for uh, Dick Wolf. And that was like 1990, whatever the hell. And um, um, I got to meet a lot of the guys and um, you know, a lot of the police officers. And they are were just extremely trustworthy. Like, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like they, they really work for the people. And they really and, – and the thing is they have to guard billions of dollars. If we're talking Las Vegas, they have to guard billions of dollars in the first place. So adding another you know, billion dollars to the mix probably isn't that difficult of a thing to do. So I think that's in Chicago at least or in Illinois, you know, why they're having such a hard time. You can't trust the police department. And they're the ones that have to guard, you know, a billion dollars worth of uh, worth of um, uh, revenue that comes through in a year. So, right, right. And too wild. Pritzker did, did make it uh, legal in Illinois to grow. 
So all you people out there that are growing in your basement, awesome, because Pritzker says it's okay. He doesn't want you growing, like, 100 plants, um, but, you know, he's like, you got six plants, you know, it's obvious that it's for yourself. So, you know, and really, you get rid of, once you legalize, you get rid of the criminal aspect of it. So your dealers disappear. Your dealers become dispensary owners. And your growers become horticulturalists. They're, they become our scientists, you know, because we need these people. So that's another reason why they need to be let out of jail all across the United States, because we need these people. They know what they're doing. Obviously, we bought before right. from them when it was illegal. So, Right, exactly. No, it's just too much uh, just it takes so long to get things done. They talk about that's one thing I'll say. The government does have way too much red tape on way too many things. Deregulation, a lot of things, is a good thing, but not in our protections like environmental protections and things like things that protect us should not be deregulated. But uh, things that can help us shouldn't have to jump through 8,000 hoops in order to get passed, like yeah. drug tests or uh, terminal patients and cancer drugs and things like that. Um, I don't understand. I don't understand how reversed we are in a lot of things. It shouldn't be reversed. Just a little crazy. Well, we got a lot of people, you know, thinking that doctors are all quacks, and uh, and a lot of them are. I, I agree. Um, uh, but majority of them are freaking scientists. So they, you know, really have broken it down and really tried to figure out how to help people. Instead of, you know, just taking money from them. You know, absolutely, there's a lot of quacks out there. But uh, the majority of them, you know, are already focused on whatever specialty it is that they have. And and that's where it shouldn't be deregulated. It should be just concentrated on. we got to enhance that stuff. we got to move forward. And once again, not talking about, you know, being a progressive Democrat. I'm talking about just being a progressive human. Just moving forward and and not living any of the lies that you've been living in the past, you know, any untruths that you've been taught or told by either your parents or teachers or whoever, your best friend. Um, you know, you got to really educate yourself and and you know pay attention to yourself and make sure that you keep expanding your your own brain. Um, otherwise, you you know you're going to end up you know voting for number 45 again. So, you know, you got to really keep, it just blows my mind that all these people are going to jail around him and all these people are are being nailed for, you know, all of these different breakings of laws. And it's like, well, if it didn't happen in the first place, these people wouldn't be going to jail. They wouldn't even be. Right. Exactly. So obviously there's major corruption there and I'm still not sure. I mean, you know, he had to deregulate. He had to give the one percenters a whole bunch because that's the lobbyists. Those are the people that he's – even for he himself, you know, he needed to he needed to break down all the oil and all that shit because, like I've said before, I'm, I'm sure this is their last hurrah on, on oil and they're trying to sell as much as they possibly can. And it's the highest price that they possibly can. Do it all over the country. It's like four bucks a gallon. So right. They're you know, actually absolutely, you know, reaming us. At the gas tanks, so we've been selling tanks well, a lot and, lately, and whew, 
Exactly. And we have we have his lawyer Michael Cohen going into jail Monday for three years for uh, the exact same crime that Trump did, but because he's president, so only reason he's not going to jail. Because well, he's yeah, no, I, I don't know where this whole we can't indict, you know, we can't <laughs> prosecute a president. Yeah, we can. And we will. And it's it's nailing every single person around him, and then it'll fall out on him. So, he, dude, I'm telling you, he should, if he's listening, dude, please, just quit. Just quit. Just, I mean, before you go to jail, man, or worse, just quit. Cause well, that's his problem, though. Once he's out, angry. then a lot of these statutes of limitations – they can go after him. So if he quits, it's worse for him than if he gets reelected. But if he quits, nah, then they can actually uh-huh. charge him with this stuff. Nah, if, if he, 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 like, nah, he quit. <laughs> I think, you know, people would be like, oh, okay, okay. You know, yeah, he cost him shit while he was in there. And he really deregulated for himself so he could make, you know, another billion dollars. What he needs another billion dollars for, I don't know. But, um, you know. Because he lost a billion dollars a year for 10 years. We just found that out last night. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great businessman. <laughs> he needs every bill you can get. How do you lose a billion dollars a year for 10 years? I don't understand. Well, yeah, and especially when you're ripping everybody off. He still owes $40 million for the, the contractors down in, the, in Trump Tower in uh, Chicago. He still owes $40 million. And that was like 12 years ago, 13 years ago, maybe 14 years ago that he built that shit. It's like 2006 or 2005. Does he actually own that one though, or is that just naming rights? No, he doesn't own. He doesn't own any of them. You guys know that, right? He doesn't own anything. He's got his name all over all these buildings. He doesn't own them, but he still owes money to the people that built them. He's declared bankruptcy how many times? Six, right? I think yeah, four to six, somewhere in there. Somewhere between four to six. That's freaking crazy. Yeah, and the laws too. I mean, dude, oh, $40 million? You should be $40 million to one entity? Come on. You need to pay those people because those people are then starving. So right. They put out a lot of money, and the contractors put out a lot of money in the first place in order to pay their employees, so in order to build whatever building they were building. So the contractors are the ones that really get screwed on that. Not right. necessarily. Well, he's the running the justice department the exact same way. He's delaying and and yeah. avoiding and just not paying, not not letting people testify or stuff, and waiting for them to do a lawsuit on him because it takes twelve thousand years that way. And so he's he's running Congress the exact same way he's run his businesses, just try to wait out the clock and try to mess you up so it doesn't help you at all. So it just. It's it's really bad, really bad state of affairs right now. We are very close to a constitutional crisis, I think. I, I think that it'll hold its own. Constitution freaking hold its own, dude. And there's already people in place so that if he does do like Bill Maher is saying that he's not going to leave, um, just like the Venezuelan guy is doing right now. Um, that there's people in place that are ready to literally take him out of office, physically out of office. So uh, I'm, you know, I'm not concerned. The Constitution is pretty, pretty strong yet malleable document. So and our and our founding fathers, man, they were pretty smart. Pretty damn smart. Not they were. They were smart. 
design, design this country for white people. They did not design this country for every immigrant from everybody. They, they did design it for white people, and so that's why there's a whole bunch of white people right now that are pissed the hell off because over the past 200 years, they really haven't gotten what they were told they were going to get. There are some individuals that did get that, you know, did get those things. Um, and also when it comes to things like 40 acres and a mule uh, and from the Civil War, um, and there were some people in, in that population that did receive the 40 acres and a mule, but some, it wasn't everybody. And it's kind of the same thing just from different race point of view. Um, they didn't receive the things that they were told that they were going to receive. And that's why they're all reacting the way they're reacting right now. And really it's only 30% or 28% of the United States. So, you know, I mean, it's 28%, really a third, you know, I know a third caused a bunch of shit in Germany in 1945, but I mean, in 1940, but we're, we're, we're not that way now, dude. Um, we really have 70% of the United States that's like, no, 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 we're, we're, we're very, uh, open to accepting diversity and inclusion. Um, so that, that 28% or that, you know, 30% are going to get uh, stomped down. And that's why they're all standing up right now, going hooray for our side. But, you know, no, dude, you're still getting screwed. You're not one of the 1%. Right. You're getting screwed. So wake up to that and figure that one out and make sure that, you know, you're actually going after the, the correct people. Um, you know, Hitler did the same thing. I had a huge conversation uh, with uh, about Hitler yesterday or the day before with some of my friends. And, uh, um, you know, they, they were confused. One of them was 16 years old, and she was like, I don't, I, I don't understand – you know, how this actually happened. And I'm like, well, it's the same thing now. They're, they're taking immigrants. They're putting the immigrants' kids in cages. And, you know, they're, they're doing the same type of, of stuff. And it really is about um, – it was the only thing is that Trump didn't give anybody, uh, any, any of the middle class or the lower class, any benefits, where Hitler did. Hitler made a whole people what they thought were rich. They gave them the equivalent of like $200,000 as long as they followed him. So, uh, and which is something that, you know, Trump hasn't done. And 200000 right. in 1940 was, was a big deal. Um, you know, you were, you were basically a millionaire. But inflation went up like crazy. I mean, you know, a lot of bread was five bucks. So <laughs> it's going to um, affect you one way or another when something like that happens. Um, and they all went that third that got was supporting him. He wasn't even elected president. Uh, you know, Germany was a democracy at the time. He wasn't even elected president. He was chancellor at one point, but he was never elected. And we're, you know, this guy, he's elected, um, supposedly. We've got some cheating going on in our electoral college, so I'm not sure how how. how uh, real that actually is, or if we should actually be looking at that and uh, and be going, okay, well, is this president legit? Is he actually a legit president? So, I don't know where I was going with that. We're kind of bring it back around to where we started with this. Uh, it, just purely the the uh, the crux aspect of it. 
Um, you, right. He's got all of these people that surrounded him for years and years and did business with him, and they're all going to jail. What's that say about the common denominator, which is number 45? Uh, yeah, it's it's. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's just there's so much going on right now, politically that both sides are so locked in. There's no um, center anymore, and I just don't know what's going to happen. Everything I mean, people on both sides are going freaking nuts. I see Democrats grabbing their balls and holding onto them and trying to make sure to call out bullies when they do. So. I don't don't know if there's any real, like, in the middle, I I try to see all sides of this. I I also believe there's a whole bunch of Democrats that are are corrupt, fuck, excuse my language. Um, But uh, they're more graceful about it. That's the thing, you know. I'm sure, you know, it was called... um, Porter in chief because he deported more illegal or undocumented immigrants than any other president. He did 8,500 deportations. Uh, but, um, you know, so he was just more graceful about it. Uh, he didn't like, like, it never really hit the news. And if it did, it was more about the criminal aspect of those individuals that were, you know, deported back to whatever country they came from in the first um, and and the majority majority were were criminals there's very very few cases in, in Obama's deportations where they weren't actually you know like criminals the rapists and the murderers that that 45 talked about so but you know that's 8500 that's not 5 million or 10 million of these people who are seeking amnesty from the shitty-ass country that they live in in the first place, because that is a really shitty country that they live in. Otherwise, they wouldn't be coming here, coming here to this place right. to face possible children being put in cages and possible deportation and possible jail and possible all of that, possible starvation out there in the middle of the desert as they're trying to walk through. So, you know, I, I feel really bad for, I feel, not bad. I feel for these people. I have empathy for these people, and and it's uh, it's a very 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 small percentage that are coming over here and doing any crimes at all. They don't want to get caught. They hardly these are people that are doing an hour in a seventy mile an hour zone. Okay, <laughs> you know, I mean, these are, they don't want to get pulled over because they don't want the problems. So it's not the crime. Right. Criminals are criminals everywhere. But it's a very, no. very small percentage. Yeah, very true. Very true. It is, it is a smaller percentage of that. Um, I did want to hit on something real quick because uh, uh, one of my – a congressman that I like quite a bit um, is in the news and in some controversy, and I think he kind of screwed up a little bit, but it's, it's uh, we have a lot of this – I mean, of course, it's us two two older white guys talk about abortion again. Um, but we had a couple things happen this week. First, we had uh, we had Governor Kemp from um, Georgia sign the heartbeat bill, 
um, allow um, making it illegal to do uh, any abortion after a fetal heartbeat is detected, which is usually five to six weeks, and a lot of women don't know they're pregnant until six to eight weeks. But um, a lot of a lot of things can't even tell that. So he signed that into law. On one side, so we have the Republicans losing their mind on that side. I have a cousin, had, I have a cousin who had a baby, and dude, no one knew she was pregnant. No one knew. I, dude, she, she looked like she's skinny in the first place, and she never had uh, nothing. We had a bald, nothing, nothing ever happened to her. She gained any weight. She never knew she was pregnant. I mean, we never knew that she was pregnant. So wow. She, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people don't know they're pregnant until at least four to eight weeks. And now at six weeks, it's illegal in Georgia to get an abortion. Of course, it's going to be held up and go through courts. But just at a missed period, so four four weeks. And I'm not a woman, so I probably shouldn't be around on this. Uh, my nose listening. She's in the room. So, um, but, uh, no, that's part of it. They said that you can usually that people can miss periods by two weeks. So. If yeah. you have a period every four weeks and all of a sudden you're off by two weeks and they say they say medication can put you off cycle. If you change your medication, yeah. you can be off yeah. a couple of weeks off cycle. There are a lot of yeah. things that can happen and change it. Just the biology of it is messed up, according to one article that I read, because the biology just doesn't make sense for six weeks. So right. we have that on one side. And on the other side, we have my buddy, Brian Sims. He's a representative of Philly area in Pennsylvania. And openly gay congressman, um, really good guy fighting for the underdog. But he went on a uh, Periscope rant over the weekend. There's, there's people that um, regularly go in front of the Planned Parenthood in Philadelphia and try to talk to any women that go in and try to talk them out of it and harass these women for going into Planned Parenthood. And this happens a lot in the Philadelphia one. So he went out there Saturday with his little periscope, and he harassed this lady that was out in front of there trying to talk to women, saying, uh, and just gave, totally harassed this older lady, saying, you're an old white lady out here har- harassing younger ladies, won an eight-minute video spree, he's getting a lot of hot water for it, um, right. for doing it. So on one hand, it's like, you way to go, guy, for harassing someone's harassing women. But uh, on the other hand, it was a little creepy, especially to be a state representative, uh, or U.S. representative to, to Congress for doing this. So uh, well, he's got, in a lot of water got, right now. We've got Twitter in chief, so why not Senator in Periscope or something like that? I don't even know. Exactly, exactly. So it's just interesting, two, in two different sides of abortion um, kind of wackadoodle a little bit on both sides. So that, that's been interesting in the news this week. All sides of it. All sides of it. Dude, who's taking care of the kid afterwards? They don't give a shit after, afterwards. They don't give a shit when the exactly. kid's born. So who's taking right. care of the crackhead kid afterwards? And I'm calling all humans crackheads. So, you know, what are you doing? What are you, why would you save that baby if it's going to be just a drain on the economy, a drain on everyone else? And, and normally women... They don't get abortions for birth control. They get abortions because the baby is either disborned or, or uh, disabled or, you know, it's not going to lead some type of quality of life. It's going to be a crackhead. It's going to be a crack baby with no intelligence and, you know, just messed up. 
or it's it, there's uh, circumstances in people's lives, man, that they cannot handle a kid, cannot, right. and our and our our whatchamacallit, they barely handle themselves in this world. I, you know, I see people walking around trying to figure out this world, just trying to figure out life, just trying to survive, and you're gonna add a baby to the mix. Whoa, you're going to add another human to the mix? No, no. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Who takes care of the kid afterwards, man? Yeah, that's all I've ever said is it's not pro-life, it's pro-birth. Once it it comes around, they don't want nothing to do with it. They're not going to help it at all in any way, shape, or form. They just want pro-birth, not pro-life. All right, we're 32 minutes in. We're going to take a quick break. Um, Well, it's kind of a stand well, there we go. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to Sitting on My Soapbox. Here's little Matt Stern. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. In the door, 
thoughts of losing you. I'm plagued with 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 thoughts of losing you. All righty, we are back. Thanks so much for joining us. Give us a call, 347-989-0126. Again, 347-989-0126. You have about 20 minutes left to give us a call and join the program today. Tell us what's on your mind. Uh, standing, Come up and stand on my soapbox with me. Uh, Craig will be back in just a couple of seconds there. He had a, a little phone call he had to take. He'll be back on in just a couple of seconds. So let us know what's on your mind. Uh, special programming note for today, 5 o'clock, the Randy Report will not be on today. Randy is at his mother-in-law's funeral t- today, so we will not have a 5 o'clock Randy Report. At 5.30, though, we'll have a special new Meet the Intern show for the Left of Straight Radio interns. Up first today is going to be Audrey Hardenberg. She's uh, hosting the show today. And all five of my interns will be hosting their own show for the next five weeks at 5.30 every day. So be sure to tune in for that. And then at 6 o'clock tonight is Astro Kiki Radio, where astrology and pop culture meets with our hosts, um, Kyle uh, Thomas and Sam Davidson. So be sure to tune in for that. So 5.30 tonight, Audrey Hardenberg and Meet the Interns. And at 6 o'clock, Astro Kiki Radio with Kyle Thomas and Sam Davidson. But give us a call here right now on Standing on My Soapbox. Again, it's 347-989-0126. We want to hear what's on your mind today. What side of the abortion debate are you on? Um, give us a call of anything in mind. What's happening in politics right now? What's happening in your life and news? We uh, have lots of stuff going on today. So give us a call and let us know what's on your mind, um, different things that's happening in the news that kind of – we had another school shooting yesterday, of course, in Colorado, just about seven miles from Columbine. We had two gentlemen go into a charter school in Colorado, and uh, one one student is dead. One male student is dead. Seven were injured. So we have that going on and still no uh, worthwhile gun laws in this country. So we have that going on. Uh, what else does we have happening besides that? Um, too much stuff going on like crazy. We have another gun shooting yesterday. Mr. Hurley, welcome back to the show, buddy. It's not. Mr. Hurley's voice just went up several octaves. Aha. Katie Barberi, how, how the heck are you? Thanks for calling in. What's up? I- Thank you. Craig's on a phone call, and I, you know, he said to me, "You know more about these subjects than I do. You call in." And I was like, "Well, you know, it's it got me to thinking. I mean, we were talking about the uh, who's who's on what side of abortion, you know. And right. uh, I remember right. hearing you you made a joke, and it's so funny, and it's and it's so true on many levels. You know, two two white guys talking about abortion, and what does that mean? And I just I feel like it has become such a politicized subject that that is the danger right. that we're in. Um, 
I personally, <laughs> Sarah Silverman made a joke one day on Bill Maher, and she said, you know, I know this could really hurt my career, but I've never had an abortion. And Bill Maher laughed, and he said, yes, that's, that's a very dangerous thing for an actress to say, which is, is a very <laughs> funny thing to say. You know, like you have to be so, so left that, of course, you have to have had one. Um, right. I have always been extremely pragmatic in my dealings with my, with my person, with my, uh, with my womanhood, with my sexuality, with my ovaries, with my, uh, you know, and I've always, I've always been very, very careful. And I, like Sarah Silverman, am going to put my career very much at risk and state very clearly, I have never had one. I do not advocate abortion as birth control. I'm not going to judge anybody who does because it's that's not my job. We've had uh, philosophical discussions with with Christian friends, and you know the struggle that I've been going through with with my faith. Um, it's it's pretty clear to me that I just need to take what I what I can use and take what right. resonates to me as truth, and not try to force it. And so the struggles are are very much under control with my faith, but but we've been having talks. Uh, you know about about Christianity and about uh, the subject of abortion and about a series of things. And I've been talking to a lot of people because I kind of took a you know since we do have this I am it's not my podcast it's your podcast and Craig is your co-host but I've I've been a guest host uh, thanks to you quite a few times and we've had the opportunity to talk with a lot of people across the country about this subject. Right. And here's the thing. I don't advocate uh, birth control uh, by abortion. I have never had an abortion. I have made very sure that I would never have to have an abortion so that I would never have to be faced. I don't even want to be faced with that decision. You know what I mean? But right. I think that I think that politically it has allowed for some issues. Like there are some people that I know that are older, you know, of an older generation, far right, uh, far, far Republican, far, far Christian right who elected the current president because it would guarantee a stance on abortion because uh, they could then get the Supreme Court justice they felt in, 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 in the Supreme Court that would overturn or move toward overturning Roe versus Wade. Like that's the struggle. That's the battle. And so many things are happening around that that they can't really justify. And I remember on several different occasions saying to people, yes, what about the babies that are here already that are in cages? Right. It's like it's become so politicized and that are, that are being abused and that are born without uh, resources and that are born without uh, the proper parental care and that are born without a series of things. It's become so politicized that you, you either believe one thing or you believe the other. And I think that we're all still individuals and we have the right to be uh fiscal conservatives and fiscal republicans but but uh but 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 domestically and and uh and socially liberal and and have different points of view about about different subjects and abortion is i don't know that anybody scott is for abortion you can't be for abortion I've, i've never met one person that has said let's go have sex so i can have an abortion that's never the Absolutely goal. Absolutely not. Um, you are it's never for been a goal. the right. right to choose. You are for exactly. the right to exercise your right that it's your body and it's your choice. And the, and the bottom line, but yes, but what about the unborn child? Well, what about the unborn child? I don't know whose job that is. They, they've taken it upon themselves, you know, to, and it, it's, uh, uh, God, Michael, uh, 
sorry, the documentarian, maybe the most famous documentarian on the planet. Um, Michael Moore? Did, uh, Fahrenheit. Yeah, Michael Moore. He said that's what they do. They, they stand there and they say, a fertilized egg is a human being. A fertilized egg is a human being. A fertilized egg is a human being. And he just said it like eight times on Tomar, just over and over and over with the same inflection. And what he meant right. to say is that they, they, get, they get into a space where they're not willing to listen to anyone else's point of view in order to move forward a political cause, supposedly being warriors for Christ. Well, you know, I've had a lot of talks with my Christian friends, and I've been struggling a lot with it. You know, being a warrior for Christ means having compassion for all, not just compassion for what you feel to be right or what you were, what you were taught by a book, by a schooling. You know, I was raised at Calvary Baptist Christian Church School in Reno, Nevada. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't get much more far, you know, uh, uh, right, conservative, Christian, just oops, you know, you said damn and you, you know, you have to ask for forgiveness or you will burn in hell or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm exaggerating, but, but they do believe in the burning in hell for anyone. I've had adults tell me this. I mean, I know we've talked about this before, you know, adults telling children in schools, you know, you can be very, oh, I had this conversation just yesterday with some friends. Um, the uh the the issue of of the third reich and and hitler and his uh because one of one of my little friends is, is in high school and she's studying right now she's studying third reich and she's studying that atrocity against humanity and she said well how how did this even happen and i shared with them that i had seen uh i had seen the trials of nuremberg when i was 12 years old unfortunately i'm a huge judy garland fan and so when I saw that Judy Garland was in the past, in the cast, I thought Dorothy, and I turned it on, <laughs> and it turned out to oh be you know this very serious film with Maximilian Schell and and Judy Garland and some other fantastic actors who I don't can't name off the top of my head right now, but anyway, a classic film about the trials that took place uh, at Nuremberg against the bosses, if you will, the people that were right underneath Adolf Hitler, who gave the orders to carry out these atrocities against these, against these people, against, against the Jews. And not the ones that necessarily ran the, you know, the, the, the concentration camps, but the ones that gave the orders as to how that was going to go down and the killings and how that was going to go down. Those were the trials. And in the trials, in the film, in the, in the courtroom, you could see film on these people, what were the gas chambers of the bodies laid out, you know, just mercilessly, no, no, uh, no burials, just bodies laid on top of each other. And just, you know, the lack of mercy and the lack of love. And I remember that I almost went into therapy. I was sharing this with, you know, my friends, I almost went into therapy at the time I was 12 years old. My mom was horrified that I had watched the movie, but I thought, I said, Judy Garland was in it. I I didn't know, you know? And so I went to school the next day and it was a Christian school. And I shared this, and I remember one of the adults turned to me, not one of the kids, one of the adults said, you know, you can feel for these people, and you can feel for what they experienced, and of course, you know, that's empathy for another human being, but you have to understand, they're not, they're not Christians, so they're going to have a, you know, they're going to have a, 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 a horrible final um, result to their lives, you know, after death anyway, and it didn't, it didn't resonate as truth to me, it did not. And I was, I was 
confused and I was upset by it at the time as a child. And all of this, I know I, I sound like I'm, I'm on a Craig stream of consciousness, but what I'm trying to say is that when we legislate based on one point of view and based on one theory and based on one ideal that is given to us by our church, that is given to us by our upbringing, we don't take into account the other points of view. And these people right. that we don't agree with are not heretics. They're not sinners and we're not. They're not, you know, they're not bad people and we're good. They're not any of those things. They're just people that believe different things and are leading different lives. And I insist that what Christ meant to teach us was love everybody. Don't judge others. Let him do that. That's his job. And so we're legislating. Many people voted the current president in because they felt that he would get the Supreme Court justice in that they needed in to overturn Roe versus Wade. Look at all the shit that's going down as a result of that. You know what I mean? All of the people right. who have suffered, all of the people whose, whose needs and whose, and whose feelings and whose uh, uh, necessities and whose, whose souls have been, have been uh, tortured by what is going on and, and the fallout. Because as they move toward, as the people that, that you know, voted this gentleman in move toward getting a Supreme Court justice, I don't, you know, they're, they're move, to, move toward the actual overturning of Roe versus Wade. That's the ultimate goal. As that moves forward, look at the fallout around it. How can you advocate it on any level? How can you advocate it? How can you advocate prejudice? How can you advocate, advocate bigotry? How can you advocate it in order to get this, this X right here, this, this is what I want. Well, this is the president that's going to make it happen. I don't care about the rest. It's, it has yeah, they're trying to make it a Christian nation, which is not what, what we are. Um, we, we are founded on some Christian principles, but we are not a Christian nation. We have a freedom of religion here where there's no one correct religion and you can't start, as you say, legislating religion. It's against our Constitution. So Absolutely. once you choose and, 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 one and, and religion over another, you're down a slippery slope. One, and, here's one, and here's one beyond that. I consider myself to be a Christian. Whether I'm struggling with some of the doctrine or not, I expect not to be ousted from the religion because I'm daring to have some questions. Right. And I am pro-choice. I'm pro it has never been. I believe that it starts in the home. I believe that it starts in one's upbringing. I believe that it starts at you. Know, my mother from a very early age said, look, you know, I'm not, please, I, look, you're going to fall in love. You're going to like somebody. You're going to want to do this, birth control, this, that, the other. She taught me to be very intellectual and pragmatic about it so that I don't put an unborn life at risk, so that I don't put my life at risk in this process so that I take the necessary precautions until I'm ready, if I'm ever ready, to procreate. But that was my upbringing. I consider myself to be a Christian, and I am not, I, I can't advocate, you know, at not taking other, others' feelings into account, not taking a woman's feelings into account who says, look, I didn't mean for that. I mean, you've got people so far right that they're like, Oh, child of rape. Yeah, we understand. You know, it happened the wrong way. But it's still a child. It's still a life. You got to bring it into the world. I, you know, I understand the, the theory of, okay, give it up for adoption if you don't want it. I think that's fair. Can, uh, you know, as an argument, 
as an argument, I think it's fair, but not not in principle on a, on an individual level. What if the woman turns to me and says, "I don't, I can't be pregnant. I can't be pregnant in my job. I can't be pregnant in my life. I can't be. Pre- I don't want." You know, there, there can be privacy issues. She's married to someone. She's in a relationship with someone. She's been raped by somebody or she had an affair. Whatever it is, she doesn't want that pregnancy known about. So, so, the, so the idea of giving you – know, I had a friend who, who uh, when we were – when I was way younger, I remember her name was Yana, and she worked with me. And I was, a, I was, a, I was a, the only other job I've ever had, and I was 18 years old or 19, somewhere in there, 20 years old. I mean, way before, you know, I went to Mexico and became a telenovela star or whatever it is that I am. Um, I, I worked as assistant manager of Man Theater. And she was one of my employees and she told me about it. She was pregnant. She found out she was pregnant at about three or four months. And she just basically ignored it and carried the pregnancy through and then gave the baby up for adoption. Well, there's people that would probably applaud that. Well, you, okay, that's fine. But that was her situation and she did what was right for her and she did a great thing with regard to you know leaving that life on the planet except now you've got a human on the planet who's wondering who its real mother is if they ever find out you know there's no way to get around hurting someone or having someone's life be affected when an unwanted pregnancy takes place there is no way when an undesired and unwanted and unplanned pregnancy takes place, somebody is going to bear the brunt of it. And if it's the mother who has aborted, it is always the mother that is going to bear the brunt of it. She has lost the child. For whatever reason she had to make that decision, she felt that that was a decision that she had to make. Can we have a little compassion? Please, if we are exactly. Christians. Well said. I like it. Wow. <laughs> Didn't know that's what was going to happen today. I just got out of the shower, and Craig said, I have to take this call, and you know more about this than I do. And I always say to him the same thing. Craig, I'm a woman. I have never had an abortion. But here's what. I'm human, and I feel for the women who have. Right. Everybody has an opinion on it, too. So and it's it's not a bad thing to have an opinion, but like I said, you need, unless you are living it, it's not your opinion. You can't opinion legislate to live. based on your opinion. Right, exactly. No legislating based on opinion. You're going to hurt people. You don't, they don't see that they're hurting people because they believe they're doing the right thing. And this, this I will defend. They really believe they're doing the right thing. But somebody is getting hurt, and somebody's rights as a human being are being trampled over because they're not respecting, they're not even willing to hear the other side of the story. They're not willing to hear why that woman made that decision. If they would listen no. to 10 cases, I'm going to lower it, five, it would, it would turn their heads. It would turn their heart. I know it would. But they don't because they're in a, they're in a bubble and they're hearing their, you know, their Fox News and their, and their, and their far-right advocates in, 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 in podcasts and in radio and whatever. They hear the same thing drummed into them every day, and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't feed the soul. It only feeds the ego. Because they keep hearing how they're right, they're right, they're right, they're right. Fine. Can you listen to somebody else's side of the story for a second? Would that be possible? Would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be a beautiful thing. It sure would. It sure would. It sure would. 
So, and then Craig said something about uh, how you guys were talking about Screen Actors Guild and contract negotiation. I missed that. I don't know why, uh, but uh, I didn't hear anything that you wanted to talk about there. No, we were, he was going to expound on it. He was wondering why the Actors Guild isn't more active in getting jobs for people. And I, and I told him I thought it was more unionized to make sure the jobs they get um, they're they're treated fairly at. So we're trying to discuss the reason behind. Yeah, no, they can't. The screen no, actors they, right. No, they can't. Well, here's the thing: is that Craig Craig is Craig is in a quandary of 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 a you know a a, a, a crash of different cultures. You know, and hit the union that that the unions that represent the construction companies that he grew up around because his father. Uh, ran a geotechnical, uh, geo, uh, geo, uh, techni- um, technical engineering firm. Um, those unions get their get their workers work, and so Screen Actors Guild, Screen Actors Guild can't get. I don't know how many. What is it? One hundred eighty thousand Screen Actors Guild members at this point. They can't get you work. They can guarantee you fair. Uh, wages and fair treatment on the job if it is a union job they can't they can't get everybody wants to be a star everybody i mean i I hate to simplify it that way everybody wants to be a star everybody wants to be a celebrity everybody wants to be on tv everybody wants to be in movies everybody you know that's how reality tv went nuts the way that it did everybody want and you know maybe people are willing to train maybe they're not but everybody everybody's got stars in their eyes and it's so funny because you know, I talk to a lot of people in the in the Midwest, and and you know, one's a firefighter, and one's you know, they just have absolutely nothing to do with the entertainment industry, but they've all got this notion. Oh, I did some theater in high school. Oh, I'm you know, I'm actually writing a I'm I'm actually writing a reality show because I want to do a reality show about five firefighters. I think that's interesting. Everybody wants to be a part of the arts, and so the Screen Actors Guild, neither the Screen Actors Guild nor Equity, Equity is a much more um, refined guild it's a guild for actors in in theater but it's a much more refined guild in that it has way less members than screen actors guild screen actors guild uh handles everything that is uh uh on camera and and voiceover performers so that's uh, my god you know from the beginning of from when this this guild began i think in 1934 it's, it's been running for you know over 80 years i mean how many members are we talking about living in dude who's seat? this chick so, that's talking Who's this chick that's talking? She sounds really, really hot. Who is this chick that's talking right now? I sound hot. Yeah, you do. I was hoping to sound intelligent and impassioned. <clears throat> well, that is hotness. That is hotness. That Intelligence. is hotness. Wow. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really hot thing like when there's an intelligent woman. Man. That's what a ladies' man should say. God, it's a good thing we only have a minute left of the show. I'm going to tell you guys to get a room. Good thing you have one. Nice. Good. Um, real quick, real quick though, if we only have a minute left, uh, I know there's a couple people that are listening right now that are on the road and they're driving through Colorado and Utah, and uh, there's a lot of snow actually in the Rocky Mountains currently. Um, just wanted to do a quick weather report so that people like. Did I, did I, did I, seriously? over there, Katie? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She it's, just it's, hears it's, about it's, the it's weather important. all the time from me. So. Puts her to sleep at night, it looks like. 
But oh there's, a whole bunch of, there's a whole bunch of storms also in the south, uh, places like Little Rock, Arkansas, look out you know, currently. Um, I mean, just look up and or listen to what's happening around you. Um, and uh, we've got to look out all of the uh, Mississippi Valley and Tennessee Valley. Once again, they lighten up. And then all the uh, northern states look out for a bunch of rain and some snow as well, uh, including you over there in the Ohio Valley. You guys will get that probably tomorrow. It's a big low-pressure system that's set up for, like in the middle of Minnesota right now. So, but it's drawing awesome! Off Yay! More more weather! I'm excited. Aren't, yeah, aren't, we had, aren't uh, you over, Scott? Scott, aren't you over? Aren't you aren't you over time-wise? Aren't you well into the next show? Don't you have to go? We have to go right this second. Actually, well, the next show <laughs> actually programming note: we uh, a Randy report. We'll be back next week. Randy had a funeral to go to today, so we're going to play music for the next half hour, and then we'll have a live show at 5.30. But thanks for standing on my soapbox, guys. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. We love you, Scott. I'm going to hang up. I'm going to let him say his thing. All right. Guys, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Give us a call, 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern, right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Bye-bye. Peace. Throw my hands up over my head and cry Still I know you are the one And I still taste you on my tongue And I would be fortunate to lie with you One more night Inside your eyes and I'm flying What am I still doing here? I know you will soon disappear But I still hold on to spend time with you One more night And turn on night till you come closer. Feeling you inside me over and over. Still, I know you are the one. I still taste you on my tongue, and I would be fortunate to lie with you.
place you're always going I can never see the water in the vase that's overflowing I can never see the walls that were supposedly left before me Never keep my mouth shut Always wanna give it and never wanna give up I'm just trying to keep this holy Leave the rest to destiny
And if you reach the sky, then on your way back down.
take much time now I just take one look inside your eyes and I'm flying What am I still doing here? I know you will soon disappear But I still hold on to spend time with you One more night And turn all night till you come closer. Feeling you inside me over and over. Still, I know you are the one. I still taste you on my tongue, and I would be fortunate to lie with you. I 
eyes fell up before, but I have never in my life ever been this short. I'm just trying to keep this holy, leave the rest to destiny. Yeah. I want to travel around your world. I want to pick me up some light, some light. All righty, guys, we are back. 
Welcome. I'm so excited. We are going to have a special series for the next five weeks, guys. The Left to Straight Radio interns have been doing an amazing job for the last month and a half, and they'll be with us through the end of July. But they are all going to have their own radio shows here coming out of the pike at the end. And so we're going to uh, preview these shows for the next five weeks. Kicking off today, I'm very excited to introduce Audrey Hardenberg, um, amazing intern, does such a great background. She's going to be able to tell her all about herself. So, Audrey, take it away. Thank you very much, Scott, and hello, everyone. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me today. Welcome to the intern show. And, and if you didn't hear Scott say, my name's Audrey Hardenberg, and I am so excited, I mean this, to be your host for the next 30 minutes. Um, I'm just one of the five fantastic interns working behind the scenes at Left of Straight Radio. And over the next four weeks, uh, including my show, each one of us will get a chance to, to host their own unique half-hour show. So be sure to tune in here next Wednesday at 530. And I'm not sure, I, I believe it's Chris, our other intern, is up next week, but I'll verify that later. Um, so why don't we just kick this off a little background about myself. Um, I'm an older transgender female living in Western Pennsylvania. And um, I've been living as a full-time female for about two and a half years now. And I kind of call myself a late bloomer due to the fact that, you know, it took me 48 years for me to understand and accept my true self. And uh, I've, I've recently felt the need to use my voice and share my experiences with the world. And uh, I'm really excited about that. I just started a YouTube channel back in March, and I call that Odyssey. And um, I don't know why I, I decided to do that, but I guess that was the beginning. I, it was my way of not only sharing my personal journey, but I wanted to offer advice and support to other transgender folks uh, who are older and were late bloomers like me, 30 and older. And uh, it, it's exciting to do that. And, and I've had a lot of good uh, comments and responses on that so far. And, you know, around the same time, I stumbled upon the intern internship offering with Left of Straight Radio. And I I saw this ad and I was like, I must get involved with that. I'm not sure how I'm gonna do it, but I must get involved. <laughs> and thankfully Scott Fullerton, the CEO and host of Left of Straight Radio, after he interviewed me, he felt the same way. And that was a really good thing. So uh um so for the next few months uh, me and the other interns will be learning the ways of internet podcasting and developing my own show in the process. And it'll become part of the growing Left of Straight Radio Network. And I'm very, very excited about that. It's good stuff. Um, now, having two venues to talk to people, YouTube and Left of Straight, I personally feel like I've attained my true purpose. And being a voice for the transgender community, uh, 
it's a good thing. And in my opinion, you know, we are misunderstood. We're under constant scrutiny, open to attack, and there's always some hoopla going on in the media. And, you know, we're just people. You know, we're not some alien force that, you know, came out of nowhere. We're we're human beings too. And uh, when I began my personal journey two and a half years ago, you know, I faced many trials and tribulations, some ups and downs. And I'm sure a lot of transgender people feel and go through the same thing. And the main goal of my YouTube channel is to let other transgender sisters and brothers know that they are not alone. And believe it or not, that's a very common feeling that, you know, those who transition either to male to female or female to male, uh, they face nearly every day. They feel alone. And feeling alone and abandoned is why most, if not all of us, experience depression. And I that I am included in that as a constant companion, you know, along this journey. And I belong to groups online for older transgender individuals. And the theme is pretty much the same. Anxiety, depression, doubt, and sometimes there's suicidal thoughts. And I know this sounds ironic. But once a person transitions, it's such a liberating and happy, a happy personal experience. So why do we also experience dread, dysphoria, and low self-worth? It's a good question. Well, I can only speak from my experience, and I could say that coming to terms with myself, finally knowing that I was a woman inside, um, that I identified as female, and beginning the process of transitioning, well, that was the easy part. And, um, yeah, that was actually was the easy part. And actually projecting this to the outside world, well, it was and is still sometimes very challenging. And why is that? Well, because I didn't have the self-confidence to support me at first. You know, it was kind of a – it was frightening uh, to be my true self in front of other people. Because, you know, when you first start to transition, the only thing that you can think about is passing. Passing is the gender you're feeling. And for me, it was obsessive. I mean, honestly, you know, when I first started, I still looked like a guy in my eyes. And the very thing I was trying to dispose of was hard to ignore in the mirror. And this was the most vulnerable time for for most transgender individuals because, you know, we don't have the patience for our bodies to catch up with our mind. And doubts begin to creep in, regret, and also a sense of failure. And, you know, the key point I'm trying to make here is, you know, I had support to help me grow. And not all people who go through the transition have that support network. And it can be a very, very lonely place. 
true. And one of the sad truths about being a transgender person is that we lose people, whether it be good friends, um, family, you know, like parents or spouse or, or your children even. It is almost a guarantee that someone important in your life is going to reject you. They're going to reject you for what you have become, what you've decided to do. So, you know, that's something you have to be prepared for. And I don't think a lot of us take it into consideration once we decide to follow that true path. I know I didn't. I was really surprised when it did happen. You know, it's just another occurrence that adds to the loneliness. The sadness of loss deepens. And there's depression, too. Yeah. But you know what? It's not all gloom and doom. Seriously. One of the things that holds back the negative feelings is the euphoric power of actually living life as our true self. The freedom of feelings, you know, the freedom um, of somehow being complete. The excitement of wearing the clothes that helps define us. The acceptance of trans allies and friends that support us. For me, the positive aspects of my journey balance out the bad feelings. Now, I have good days and bad days, just like anyone. But isn't, you know, that's that's like most people in the world. We're human beings. I'm a human being. Just like any cisgender person in the world, just because I'm labeled as a transgender doesn't make me less than human. It doesn't make me some kind of immoral deviant. I'm living my life in the happiest way I can. And basically, that's all I can do. It's all that anyone can do if you really think about it. So that's my opening statement. I I hope uh, someone, you know, learned a little bit of stuff about me and and what I stand for. And now, I am very fortunate to have a female partner that completely supported my decision to transition. And without her, I most likely would have never tried to do it. We, you know, she met me as a man five years ago, and early on, she learned about my femme side. She understood that, you know, I had been suppressing it most of my life, and she chose to help me. She chose to help me find the way to being happy without hesitation or really knowing what it would do to our relationship. She stuck by me and still does to this day. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my partner, my best friend, Emily. And Emily, welcome to our show. Thanks for joining me today. Most definitely. Happy to be here. Oh, I'm glad you are. How are things going for you? Uh, Well, it was a very crazy day, but lots of fun. Crazy day for me, too. I actually spent (laughs) time shooting my next um, YouTube video, so I've been trying to keep busy. Yeah. So, Emily, my best friend, my pal, my partner, (laughs) we've been together for over five years now, and 
you knew me as Tom for a little bit of that time and the last two and a half years as Audrey. Now, did you ever think that things would be like that, you know, like they are now when we first met five years ago? Um, I can safely say no. I did not think things would be like this when we met five years ago. Um, We were casual work acquaintances, and over time it grew into, you know, more than that, but I certainly didn't ever think that um, that this would be my life. But I couldn't be happier. So, well, I, you know, that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, over a short period of time in the early part of our relationship, I gradually re- revealed my feminine side to you. And did it surprise you? that I eventually came to the decision to do this full time? Um, it did surprise me. Um, when you were Tom and I'm, I'm sorry, I don't ever use your dead name, but I'm gonna, cause you did. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so when you were Tom, you didn't have the confidence that you do now. So I think that I never really thought about you doing it full time. I never really thought about you being not Tom. I guess I just always thought that you were going to do it. Um, you know, on the fly, closeted in our, in our house. I I just never, because you were, you didn't have the confidence. I think you had faux confidence. Is that a word? I think I just made it one. Um, Faux confidence. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. You, you didn't have like the true confidence that you do now as Audrey. Well, I, I, I feel, yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, Something kind of clicked in me, you know, not too long ago that I just, I wanted everyone to know who I was. And the more I do it, the more confident I get. Well, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, you've been a strong supporter in my journey. And when most cis female spouses or partners would run away from this scenario, you stayed. Can you, let's talk about, you know, what made you stay and, and why? Well, I mean, I guess I stayed because there well, it was never an option not to stay in my head. There was that was never it just never came up. I mean, I never even considered that we wouldn't be together whether you were Tom or Audrey or whoever you were going to be. Um it was you were my partner and we've always described ourselves as the core. I mean, I'm sure you remember this from a long time ago. Uh, we were really, oh, yeah. we were the core and we've always been 100% honest with each other, even maybe sometimes when we shouldn't be. And um, I think that that's the reason that I stayed because there was never an option not to. Yeah. Well, and I, and I'm really really glad you did stay because <laughs> I don't know what I would do without you. I I always tell everyone you're my rock and um and you are and you you've been you know a great supporter and and I'm rambling right now <laughs> so I'm gonna move on to my next question for you Emily. Um, sure. Have I changed and. Uh, how have I changed? Besides the confidence, how have I changed? 
Okay, well, I'm going to start the question with, uh, yeah, and, um, <laughs> yeah, you totally changed. Um, not, only, not only the confidence, but um, you've changed in lots of ways. You're louder now than you ever were before. Um, not that I have to compete with you for loudness because I still win that battle, but um, <laughs> yeah. I, you're, you're louder. You're, um, you're, not, you're not afraid to go out. Um, there were so many times that we would spend the evenings in or the, the weekends in the house. We would order pizza in. We would, you know, watch movies or Netflix or whatever, but we didn't leave. Now you're not like that. You want to go shopping. You want to do this stuff. You want to be out there with everybody. Um, and I'm not just talking about when you were starting to transition. I'm talking back in the back in the day, you know, and, and I think that a lot of that maybe came from, um, depression, maybe it came from you were so um, unhappy inside that it was just easier not to try to explain that to anybody. So, you know, it was just the two of us for so long. Um, so, yes, you have changed in dramatic ways. Confidence, happiness, um, you're, I don't know, I feel like you you think clearer now. Um, you have a sense of purpose now. You're not just job driven. You have like, you like to do things, which is different. Right. Yeah, I I I, I kind of consider it my passion. Um, I'm doing what I love, and I've never really been able to do that before. So that's really uh, it's helped me, you know, just become stronger. Now. Um, now we've had our share of problems along the way. I think you would agree. And maybe. Yeah, maybe. And, and we still do with certain aspects of my journey. What would you say to a spouse or a significant other of a person who's going to transition from male to female or female to male? Is it easy? No. No, it's not easy. Um, but nothing worth having is. I mean, if you, this this person that is going to transition, this person that you are married to, that you are engaged to, that you are with, that is the other half of, of you, um, their, their happiness, their sense of who they are has to come first. Um, so for this little bit of time, for this transition time frame, whether it's a year, two years, five years, they're going to be selfish. <laughs> they're going to be selfish. And that is one of the major things. You, are, you as the partner, you're, going to be a, you're just going to be a supporter. Um, you're going to be their cheerleader. You're going to make them feel good. You're going to say, no, your hair is fine. You don't need a wig. Or you're going to say, oh, you know what? you might want to do a little less blush. You know, I mean those are the things that you're going to you're going to have to do. Um it's not easy, but you are also going to be instrumental in helping that person become their true self. It's kind of like, you know, you, it's like one of those slow-mo videos of of watching a flower bloom. You know, it's it's you're right. you're watching something grow and and you're a huge part of it. Um, some spouses are going to leave. That's just some spouses are not going to be able to deal with 
the changes. I married Tom. I did not marry Audrey, and I am not sticking around for that. And you know what? That's their own personal opinion. But the the person who's going through all the changes, they're going through all the changes. Like you can't you can't just walk away from that. I couldn't walk away from that. Um, so, right. I don't know. It's not easy. But there's also a lot of support groups. There's tons of research that you can do. There are books upon books upon books of things that you can read, the things that you can read that are written by the spouse. Um, there's a ton of support groups out there for the spouses, the significant others of of transgender folks. And I think that that helped me a lot, just doing research. But I'm a research hound. But, I mean, just doing the research, knowing that we are not the only case of this in the United States makes a big difference. Right. Right. And, you know, and I think the, the, like you said, you know, the true foundation is love for each other, respect. We, we both came from failed marriages and uh, we knew early (laughs) on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Two apiece. And we knew early on uh, what we did not want in a relationship. And we talked freely about that, which was, really refreshing. I mean, I was Yeah, I mean, it definitely helped knowing the things that were on that on that list of things that you can't I I don't want to check that off again. Um and I think it also helped that we both knew who we were coming into this relationship. Um so, I mean, and obviously we've both changed a lot, but it helped knowing what we didn't want as much as what we did want. Right. Right. Well, you know, I, I'm really glad that, uh, you know, that you've been there and and we're, we're both still working on it. The journey's not over. Um, speaking of journeys, you, you've based, you've gone through your own transition recently, your own personal journey. Uh, you want to talk about that? Um, I, I can. Sure. Um, I recently had bariatric surgery, um, had it at the end of February. Um, it was a process that started last August, so I can't believe it's almost a year, but um, down about 75 pounds, which is a huge, I mean, it's huge. <laughs> Let's just say it's huge. Um, I feel a million times better. Um, I can walk across the parking lot, and I'm not winded by the end of the park. I, well, let's, heck, I can walk across the parking lot. Um I I just, I feel so, so much better. Um, And it really helped me get, you know, it helped me get my, my confidence back too. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you, you were supporting me for so long. And when we, when you uh, decided you wanted to get this surgery, we kind of reversed roles and I needed to be your supporter through this. And I think I've done pretty well so far. <laughs> yeah, not bad, you know. not bad. Gold star. Yeah, well, you know, and and that's that's the whole thing is we've always supported each other, and you know we're we're each other's cheerleader, and uh, and I think it it just works for us, and and you know I love to to shout you out to the world because. You know, like I said, without you, I'd be in a very different place right now. So um, I'm really, well, really glad. True. That... Well, yeah. Absolutely. I would be in a totally I mean, different place right now. I mean, yes. 
Right. You you helped me come out of my shell five years ago. Yeah. So, you know, it's just funny how life works sometimes. And, you know, and we're lucky that we have each other. But, you know, it's like other uh, people out there, they've lost a lot of things. And like I said, it is lonely. But I just always try to tell people they're not alone. They really aren't. There's a community, not just the transgender community, but, you know, the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, we're there for each other. We have each other's backs. And uh, no one is really alone. And so that that's kind of my goal, you know, with this whole thing. And that will be a lot of the, the subjects of my future shows that uh, I'm going to have when I develop my radio show through Left to Straight Radio. And, you know, and I really hope that, uh, you know, that I'll get some, you know, listeners and, you know, I'll help somebody because that, that is the ultimate goal. So, uh, well, Emily, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, uh, as soon as we're done here, I'll, I'll, I'll try and get dinner ready for us. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I have to hurry. But uh, what? Anyways, but thanks for coming, and uh, and maybe you can come on again sometime. I would love that. Thank you. Okay. Well, be sure to check out my YouTube channel. Search for Audrey Hardenberg, and you'll see my. Okay, I'm back. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, uh, follow me on my YouTube channel. I have several videos focused on transgender topics. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at odysseygirl, A-U-D-Y-S-S-E-Y-G-I-R-L. Also on Facebook at Odyssey Fan Club. Uh, Tune in next Wednesday at 530 when you can listen to our intern, Chris, in his show. I believe that's who's coming up next. So uh, coming up in July or August, I'll be hosting my own show on a regular basis. So uh, be on the lookout for those details in the near future. And thanks for joining me today. And we'll talk to you again soon. Astro Kiki is next. And you're listening to the Left of Straight Radio Network. Have a great day, everyone. Bye.
Welcome to Astro Kiki Radio. We are the e-news of astrology. Today, we'll be diving into the cosmic guidance from the stars, celebrities, and entertainment lifestyle. Thanks for joining us, and let's see what the universe has in store. Hello, my radiant cosmic stars. I hope that you are having a wonderful week. We are excited to jump into a bunch of fiery and cosmic things ahead. My name is Kyle Thomas. I am a pop culture astrologer. We are going to talk about Hollywood today as well as interview our lovely and handsome celebrity guest, Jameson. Hey everyone, Sam Davidson here, a red carpet reporter, entertainment news journalist. I am a junkie on all things entertainment and just all the gossip that's going on. And there's a lot of really juicy stuff to talk about this week. We have our very special guest who I would like to introduce, Jameson Stern. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So um, Kyle actually met Jameson at the Daytime Emmys uh, this weekend. And Jameson currently stars as Paul in After Forever, which is an Emmy Award now winning digital series for Best Digital Drama Series. And it's on Amazon Video and you can see him as the evil but not so smart Mr. Tweed in the feature film Annabelle Hooper and The Ghosts of Nantucket, which is on Netflix. Some of his other TV credits include My Bakery in Brooklyn, which is on demand, and Day Zero with Elijah Wood, Law and & Order, and The Entrepreneurs, Broadway slash National Tours by Jeeves, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. There's just so much. It is extremely impressive, and we are really honored to have you here. Oh, thank you. So tell us a little bit about how you and Kyle just uh, randomly connected <laughs> this weekend. Well, uh, last night was the daytime Emmys. Uh, we had uh, the we were at the creative Emmys, too. We won four Emmys there, and then we they presented us with Best Series last night. And we were, towards the end, we, it was just, we hadn't, I hadn't eaten since about 10.30 in the morning. And so we won our award at about 7.30. And the excitement of that and being on stage in front of those hundreds of people and waving to Sonny Hostin, who I'm just freakishly a fan of, uh, we, we finished all that, showed up at the party, and the part that Kyle doesn't know is I just got sick to my stomach. Like, I was exhausted, sweaty, and nauseous. So I walked outside, I sat down on this bench, and I literally sort of had my legs, my head between my knees, but I was trying to be cool and pretend like I was on my phone. And then all of a sudden, I'm talking with your friend Elaine, Elaine and then you, and I'm like pretending like, I'm great, I'm good, we just won some Emmys. And inside, I was like, just don't throw up. The guy's really cute, don't throw up. <laughs> and, uh, and then he invited me to be here. Yeah, so. well, I love it because, you know, the thing that's been really interesting about my career and it, I guess evolution in Hollywood and it's you know I think it's really important to value your value your network and your your connections and really put you know your friendships and professional connections as a priority and really respect them and you know especially when you're working really hard with people to make things happen you know I think that's just something that we should all you know hopefully invest a lot of our time and, and affection and energy into especially being in Los Angeles and so a good friend of mine, you know, hits me up and is like, hey, you want to go to the daytime Emmys? And I'm just like, uh, yeah, of course, why not, you know? And then I spot you sitting down, and I was like, oh, he's gay, and he's cute, and he seems, like, really, like, friendly. Because <laughs> I had a big sign on my back that said, gay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was the monochromatic tuxedo that did it. <laughs> well, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then Elaine was talking about how she really, you know, needs to, you know, get some sexual interaction. And she, of course, she was, use, was using other words. And then she started saying about how she wanted to get naked. And then suddenly you just started laughing. Oh, and that's what I was like, oh, okay. He's like, not this, like, Hollywood douchebag. You know, like, he's looking <laughs> sweet. So, well, and she's my neighbor in New York. Yeah, yeah. So then we just got to talking. And, you know, I had, you know, been sitting in the seats earlier and, and really, you know, what you guys have been achieving, you know, especially with all these these Emmys, that's so exciting, and 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 I thought that it was great to just kind of you know bring you in today and connect. So yeah, Perfect. sorry, long story long story short, he's cute and he's here. I love it. Welcome to Hollywood, everybody. And I got that one number, guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, so did I. Oh, good. I'm very glad. Very. I did not. Um, however, you can I, have my number too. Oh, thank you. I did meet the Bachelor yesterday, though, so it was a good day for me. Oh my God! No, tell us about it, though. Tell us. So I've been a fan of The Bachelor since I was way too early to be a fan of The Bachelor. Um, and yeah, I got the opportunity to interview this last Bachelor at this like puppy fest, this Amazon, um, I don't know, puppy adoption thing. The Virgin Bachelor? Yes. Well, no. I don't think he's a virgin anymore. God, I hope not. I hope not too. And he was hot. He was like, I, the only way I can explain him was like he was like a tree, but a really hot tree that like... <laughs> You just wanted to climb, so it was an exciting day yesterday God, for like me too. So fun! Oh my God! Oh yeah! So I'm still on a bit of a high from it, uh, but hopefully this week will be just as good. Let's get into our astrological forecast. Absolutely. So you know, as we've all been talking about, we are in Taurus season, so you know, manifesting your de- desires is really important. So you you do that through putting in the work and and really making those seeds tangible through actions. You know working on your resume, working on and on trying to bring value to your life. And it also works on your relationships too. So investing your time into relationships that are of a long term value to you, whether that be romantically or platonically or in family, you know, no matter what. And and so really looking at building that security for the long term and, you know, that is going to be something that will continue for the next couple weeks, especially as we have Mercury and Venus going into here. So on the 15th, which is, you know, towards the end of this coming week, we have two important things that I wanted to highlight. So Mars, the planet of passion and drive and, you know, uh, sexuality, it it goes into Cancer. Do you guys know much about how Mars energy affects you? No, I don't. You guys have told me a little bit about it, but it just takes some time to sink in. Well, think about it. Like, you know, even just like uh, through myth, you know, tell me what you know of Mars, the god of war. Mars, the god. Honestly, every time I think of Mars, I just think of aliens. Even though there's not aliens, and that is how um, stupid at astrology I am. I'm like Mars, aliens, but there's not. I don't know. I just read Song of Achilles, but Mars wasn't in it, so I don't know anything. Okay, well, you know, so so Mars, you know, we look at it as that it's the the active and assertive force. You know, when we are looking at someone's chart, we can see what they're really, really kind of going to be passionate in and how they take charge and are bold in their lives. So with it going into Cancer, Cancer is going to blend with that Mars energy. So what, what are we collectively going to be very strong within? Well, we're going to be focusing on, we're going to be definitely feeling a very emotional energy that's going to be uh, affecting us. And we're going to be more direct with our emotions because think about it, Mars is direct, it's assertive, assertive, it's active. It's going to be in this place of Cancer, which is emotional and also the home and family so that will be highlighted to everyone does that kind of make sense yeah so this next week is very dedicated kind of to home and family and like being assertive with different things 
Yes, so it actually starts on the 15th, but Mars takes a month and a half roughly to be in each sign. So it's going to last until July 1st. So collectively, all of that energy is going to be highlighted for everyone there. So we're going to be, you know, very, you know, direct with our emotions. However, we may be prone to mood swings because, you know, it, cancers are very, very moody typically. But, you know, it, that doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. They're just very in touch with the tides of their seas, of their emotions, kind of things like that. Uh, also, you know, think about cancer. What is, what is cancer symbolized by? The little, what is it, the little uh, crab? It's a crab, yes. yes. So a crab has a protective shell. So that means with Mars being in Cancer, we're actually going to be more defensive when we are going into any sort of conflict with anyone. So it's going to, you know, we're naturally going to be, you know, feeling, you know, if someone is, you know, maybe being a little confrontational to us, well, we're going to be very, like, sharp back and be like, well, what do you mean by that? And, and that's for any zodiac sign that you yeah, are? Yes. And, okay. Uh, you know, it, because collectively we are actually, you know, being uh, affected by these important transits. However, you know, specifically with Mars being in Cancer for, you know, it's going to be, it will affect each sign in a different way um, on top of this. Does that make sense? Because it's kind mm -hmm. of like, you know, like we, we have patterns, but we also have layers, you know, collectively and consciously on, you know, on Earth, but then also individually for the signs. And then when we look at a person's natal chart, that's like the more, most, you know, deep, you know, precise way of looking You're at basically it. saying, it, you know, don't keep all your emotions in right now. Use well, them to your advantage. Well, uh, yeah, we haven't. We're still not there. It's going to be on the fifteenth. Right. You know. So I think you know. Really, you know, when you're feeling more aggressive with your emotions, when you're feeling more defensive with your emotions, looking at it and seeing how you can process it, and you know, communicating, you know, rather than being impulsively communicating in a way that's mm. going to be probably more sensitive and uh, not going to, you know, like for instance, if you're feeling hurt, obviously you want to communicate that to someone, but you know, don't go into a rage, you know, if, if you're not, if you're not being, you know, fully validated because you haven't communicated yet. Does right. That make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay. So the other principle that I want to talk about is Venus is the opposite of Mars. So, like, what do you imagine Venus to be? A beautiful, beautiful. goddess. Yeah. Like you. Like me. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> so Venus is, you know, the, the, the receptive and the, the passive principle when it comes to the opposite of Mars. So, so Venus is magnetic. Venus brings things to you. And wherever it, it moves into the chart, it is actually going to allow this certain energy to be continuously uh, affecting your life. So it's going to, on the 15th, also move into Taurus. So, you know, our, our sensual energy, our, the way that we're seeking security and value are going to be feeling much more focused on Taurus energy, which is pleasure, you know, money, sex, romance. Collectively, that's how it's going to be feeling for everyone. So we're going to want to be feeling, you know, we're going to want that extra bottle of wine. We're going to want that, I mean, hey, uh, we're going to want, you know, to like splurge. So on it's just like a every day. Right. Well, maybe for you. Okay. Yeah, well. Um, but it's going to allow us to feel, you know, more, you know, grounded in our relationships. But, but, you know, seeking, again, you know, to bring the kinds of sensual pleasure that we want to our lives, whatever that fits us the most to be.
I think I like tourist season. Me too. That does sound good. Yes, yeah. it sounds like that. I mean, and of course, it's your season, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Your birthday. You're a tourist, and when is your birthday? May 18th. Oh wow. Yes. Okay. Very very soon, and we cannot wait. Anything else we need to look out for? You know, I just I really think you know everybody just you know really focus on the, you know especially now and in, in, in into the next couple of weeks really focus on your pleasure and your relationships and if there's things that are not making you feel valued you know question if they're worth your investment of your time and your energy of your sex of your money of your passion uh, and if they aren't attract something that will be that's mm. better. Okay, hmm. I understand that. I do. Well, we have some amazing stories for you guys this week. Some of them aren't so happy, but um, that's okay because that's Hollywood. But the first story is one that I love. So Sophie Turner and um, (coughs) Joe Jonas are officially married. They got eloped this week in Las Vegas on Wednesday after the Billboard Music Awards, which I had the pleasure of being there for. And let me just tell you, the Jonas Brothers performed, I almost cried. It was one of the best things I've ever seen in my oh, whole life. I want to know. Yeah. So it, you get like honestly, one of the things that is so cool about being your friend, and hopefully for you know everyone that is an, an audience member to listen, is because you have such an incredible experience being in Hollywood, and you're so close to all of that. So I like I just want to know more about it. Yeah. They don't still perform together, right? So this was a big no. Deal. They they got back together um, about a month or two ago, and they've released two singles that are really really good. Um, and they made these killer music videos for them, and they each have their women. Now, the oldest one, Kevin, he's been married for quite some time, and he has a few kids with her, Um, and Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas, they were supposed to get married this summer in Paris, but, and I think they still will have a ceremony of sorts, or a reception, you know, everyone wants a good party, because she has one of her um, Game of Thrones co-stars that's planning on being her maid of honor, uh, Maisie Williams, right? Yeah, it's so funny because, so one of my good friends is very, very close to Maisie and Lena, and, like, I love them. I'm, like, a huge fan of them. Everything Game of Thrones and them, but it's, like, crazy because, like, my friend will be, like, literally texting and talking to them, and I'm like, what is going on? Amazing. It's so weird. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And honestly, Sophie Turner is the kind of girl you want to be friends with. It She just seems like so much fun, and this really seems like in their wheelhouse. I don't know how impromptu this was, if they were always planning on getting married after the Billboard Music Awards, or if she just fell in love with him all over again while um, watching them perform their new single, Sucker For You, as there was like pyrotechnics everywhere. I would want to marry him like after that too. And it was so cute as, well, like Nick Jonas and Joe Jonas, they each did one of the songs that they did on their solo careers after they broke up. And then they started singing each other's songs that they did on their solo careers. It was so cool. And he's like walking down, um, like he had one of those stages that was in the middle of the audience. So he's really interacting with them, walks down the stage to get onto the main stage. And um, Priyanka Chopra is there and Sophie Turner and um, Danielle Jonas and Priyanka and Nick literally just like do a little kiss as he's singing and playing the guitar. Um, And it was so cute. And they had him on the screens and it just was, really magical but no one had any idea that after that they were planning to go get married at the very very famous white wedding chapel um and it was just elvis initiated the wedding um <laughs> you know a fake elvis and they exchanged you don't know off. that it was fake you're right you're right we don't know he still could be alive and he 
very well made. I mean, if it's going to come out for anything. I agree. I agree. And so they had a bunch of the, I mean, it was weird, but it was like really epic because Van and Shay, the country duo who has won a ton of awards, I'm obsessed with them. And he sang, they sang their song Speechless, which is a big wedding song. A lot of people get married to this song now or have it as their first dance or something. So he sang that as she walked down the aisle, and it was really beautiful. They exchanged ring pops instead of wedding rings. And Diplo was there, like, Instagramming the whole thing. It was just super freaking random. And the relationship, people, it is kind of mean a Jonas brother and a Game of Thrones girl, like, and how does that how does that work? But they seem so perfect for each other, also. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so it's interesting because you know the one thing that I think is really cool about astrology is like when you when you talk about it and you explain your relationship with someone or you see you know these kinds of relationships, you're already intuitively looking at a lot of the things that are actually written in the stars. So, and one thing you know, I don't I don't know if we branded you yet as this, but for everyone in the world that you know is out there. Sam Davidson is a celebrity celebrity intuitive and a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Well, can you tell us what that is though? Like, well, I guess I created it, um, <laughs> probably because I've read tabloids and magazines like my whole life, and this is my job now. But I just have this feeling always if you know someone's gonna break up, if something's not gonna work out, like I will. And it's easy to kind of tell by the patterns that people in Hollywood have, but I also just kind of always have a feeling like if that relationship is real, if it's not real. And there's been so many times where I'm like, they are going to break up sooner. Like, she's going down a very bad path. I have the feeling she's going into rehab or whatever. And then it happens. Um, And again, that's probably just because I'm an expert on the subject. But yeah. What's the most recent one that you knew? There's so many you've done. I mean, it's funny because it's like we even talk about like the Wendy Williams one, you were talking about it weeks before, and I was like, okay, all right, like right, let's look at it at the stars, because that was one of the things that she picked. And I mean, it blew my mind. I mean, like you literally were so spot on, and, and then we looked at the stars, and it was validated. Yeah, that when it was really before it was official that he had gotten that other woman pregnant, um, and I said, you know, some people say she's going to have a baby with this other woman, and like literally a couple weeks later, there's the baby. And the whole shit storm happened. I didn't even happened. know that. And I watch her every day. Yeah, she really was um, going through it, and we went so in depth with it, and it was amazing, super interesting. But yeah, a lot of things like that. It's fun. Super cool. So, and we're gonna, you know, tap into Sam's powers, and you know, in the future, and <laughs> and watch the development and evolution of that. Uh, but yeah, let's jump back to Sophie and Joe. So, Sophie is a Pisces sun and an Aries rising. Joe is a Leo sun and a Libra rising. So the thing about, you know, looking at their charts is that they're super, super, super compatible because they are aligned in the house of partnership. So for people that don't understand what that means is the house of partnership is the opposite sign across from you. So for Aries, it's Libra, which is exactly what they have. Uh, Sophie, as an Aries rising, is very divinely com- compatible with Joe, who is a Libra rising. So it's a balance. It's like the yin and the yang. And so that is really, really, it's like magnetic. It pulls them together because they complete each other. You know, for Taurus, that's Scorpio. For Gemini, that's Sagittarius. For Cancer, that's Capricorn. For Leo, that's Aquarius. For Virgo, that's Pisces. And that's everybody. So, you know, that, you know, that always, that energy is always going to be very important to you, whether that's a business partnership or a best friendship or, 
you know, um, even the closest sibling, you know, or a love partner, or, or even like, you know, a one-on-one relationship of like you and a manager, or like you and an agent, like all of that, it, it's because you complete each other. You know, we, we always do look at compatibility in that, as, as that is one, one important thing. So another thing is, so with Joe being a Leo son, he is very, very drawn romantically to Sophie's Rising because they're both fire. And so there's this, you know, very, very uh, fun and exciting energy between them, you know, when they are, you know, being spontaneous. Also, one transit that I want to look at very important to them right now is that Jupiter is the planet of miracles and good fortune and luck. And, you know, right now it's in Sagittarius. So it is specifically blessing Joe with love, romance, and all of that kind of fertility. So he truly is falling in love with her. Uh, very, very deeply. Also, one thing that I want everyone to watch out for is that he is ex- extremely potently fertile <laughs> until December. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Is this he, his like, first marriage? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, for him, that, like, he, like, he is not shooting blanks. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so there's that. And then also the interesting I knew thing, I felt something. <laughs> for, the other interesting thing is looking at Jupiter is so for Sophie... It is at the height of her chart, so she is at, at you know one of her highest pinnacle of pieces of, or points of achievement achievement in her life, and at this specific time when it is in this area, it also can symbolize when someone is stepping into the into the light, into the light as marrying someone in a very big you know elaborate elaborate display or they're marrying someone of important influence, and she's marrying someone that's more famous than she is. And so that's specifically how it works. And then, you know, also just looking at her, you know, fame and achievement, we have Game of Thrones coming out, Dark Phoenix is coming out. You know, this is a height of achievement. She's never been been this big, you know, and it's going to continue. So there's that. Uh, Also looking at, you know, the May 1st is when, that was the Billboard Awards, right? Uh, Yes, it was on May 1st. That's correct. So the sun was in Taurus, so for Joe, that was energizing his fame sphere, which makes complete sense, he was on stage. And Venus and Mercury and the moon were in Aries. So specifically, it, it highlighted Sophie, her energy. She was actually more dominant than him in that, because she was like, I want to do this. You know, I'm, I'm feeling you know, fun and spicy and sexual and, and very you know, important to him. And it was across the sky from him, meaning that he was focusing on, yes, let's get married now. Let's do it right now. Literally on May 1st. That's so cute. I'm just, I'm obsessed with them. I think she seems like such a spitfire, and Mm -hmm. they seem very happy. And it's a very interesting kind of um, dynamic to how Nick and Priyanka got married and had a million, like, million-dollar weddings all over the world. They still will um, get married, I, I believe, or have the ceremony this summer in July in Paris. Um, but it is, she's officially changed her name to Jonas. So really? Yeah, so she's not technically Sophie Turner anymore. I mean, I don't know as an actor if she's really, like, how's that going to, because that's a, that's a really big thing to do as someone who is a name in Hollywood, to actually change your last name, not hyphenated or, or something. I don't know, she but she does whatever. She didn't Turner at all? That's, no, that's what the marriage wow. certificate said. So she, but she doesn't really ever seem to care what she's supposed to do. How old is she? Twenty. She's like 22, I guess. Oh, uh, wow. 
so her first marriage was an elopement. Cool. Yeah, and you know, I'm very very happy for them. Um, I just like watching them and mm-hmm. seeing what's going on with them. So that's cool. They're compatible. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys tell me. Tell me about air signs or fire signs, you know, that you know that may have this kind of thing. You know, have you seen that before or felt that before? Well, I'm an air sign, aren't I? Yeah, you're you're a rising Libra and a sunny Libra. Yes. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I definitely feel with myself one of my biggest issues is don't wrong me on the wrong day because I will, my father had a really, really bad temper and sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm being totally honest, like I have that too and I get very, you know, intense about things. Um, I'm extremely sensitive. You know, I, I take things personally. Sometimes I take things the wrong way. I'm making myself sound like a real bundle of joy right yeah, you now. You literally just bit. described me. So <laughs> you're good. Well, the thing you're that's interesting good. about this is, so you're an Aries. Mm-hmm. She's a Libra. You guys are opposites. Oh, yeah. Aries, I'm always really, um, like, driven to Aries, whether it's with a friend romantically. I've had a lot of best friends that were Aries. I've dated a lot of Aries guys. So that makes a lot of sense. Wow. Interesting. Well, and it's like, because you have, you know, very similar attributes, but sometimes you approach them from the opposite side of the spectrum. So like, okay, so what she was saying, tell us about you. How does this manifest? No, yeah, temper. I mean, I have to, I have to wait. My friends force me to wait before replying to texts Uh. or just, you know, or just (laughs) let, you know, duck off a water's back, you know, but I can't like, if I see a pimple, I have to pop it, you know? Yeah. um, Not patient. No. Um, definitely have very little patience for things and I mean Kyle you know my issue sometimes with text messages it's this is why I'm always like shh yeah I know and then I'll just like have a look on my face and you know, my friends or family around me they're like what'd you do and then I say I too much I hate that look oh my like, I just say too much you know I, it's something that requires just a yes or a no or a I'm sorry it's going to be like three pages of te- you know and now I've learned I write it all down in my text and then I uh, just put it away. <laughs> yes. You know. Well, another, okay, so the next thing that I want to ask you guys about, because you're being very spot on with, you know, the energies that's at the core of these signs. So tell tell me about your relationships when it comes to uh, the intensity and, and what you expect, because I, I bet you both have very similar sides of how it was, because you literally have the same side of the same, or the, the opposite side of the same coin. So yeah. who wants to go first? You guys tell me. Um, I'll go first. So with relationships with other people, I like to give a lot and be very generous um, and literally take the shirt off my back for somebody that I care about. And I, you know, with Libras, we're supposed to really like partnership. However, I don't have a lot of like romantic relationships. And I think that's probably a deep-rooted thing from the way I was raised and all that. But I, you know, even with friendships, I give a lot and I expect a lot in return. And then when I don't get that in return, I get very angry. So that is, that's how I am with, you know, in relations to other people. Yeah, as far as friendships go, I, I do the same thing. I give everything. And, you know, you sometimes you don't get it in return. And I'm, you know, I'm a little older. I've learned to, you know, people can give what they can give when they can give. And unless someone wrongs me, you know, it's one thing to, to uh, not be appreciative, which, you know, bothers me. But, you know you've got to let that go it's it's what i learned you know uh you when you're at a certain age like in your 30s when all your friends start having babies all your girlfriends start having babies and they really can't be there for you yeah you know and there's nothing you can do about that you know that's bigger than you and if you are patient they come back to you 
but a lot of people, a lot of women I know lose their friends when they start having kids, and I didn't, so I was very fortunate that way. But in, you know, in love relationships, um, you know, it usually burns really bright at the beginning and then very quickly oh, yes. burns off. I um, am the queen of, like, the three-week love affair. Well, I also can fall in love in two minutes, you know. Yeah. I, you know, I've, you know, every day I'm like, oh, I just fell in love with that guy. I didn't even, I don't even know his name. Oh, my God, is it me today? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> But but you know you guys are literally saying the exact same thing and so look at it you got you are you're Aries you're Libra the reason you're so connected is because you have you're the mirror image of each other see what I never ask people what their sign is ever like it's not it's not a mm-hmm. prescient thing in my, in my brain but now I figure I'm gonna have to do it all the time and then text you immediately yes if if you go out with Kyle um, that's like the first thing he asks and I'm like Kyle he asked me too I was like sure I don't know did. my sign is Emmy right now like <laughs> that's sexy right? hashtag Emmy winner but uh last week we had some crazy energy going on my wallet was stolen my phone was stolen I had a lot of friends that were actually I, literally I heard several people had things were stolen things were broken into and some of the energy that was happening and you know people just getting into fights Mercury planet of communication was crashing with Pluto and Saturn, which was creating um, chaos and, and kind of confusion uh, within our minds, you know, making us very just like, you know, chaotic and then causing clashes potentially with authority or um, people that are cruel or abusive um, or deceptive. So power plays were also happening. I mean, I felt so bad for you last week. That was brutal. And I'm really glad I actually didn't know that that was going to happen when I went to Vegas for the Billboard Music Awards because I was so nervous something was going to get messed up. And I was meditating a lot and trying to, you know, make everything go smoothly. And it didn't go too, like, unsmoothly. Um, but it seems like for <laughs> everyone else it really did. So sorry about that. No, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, it, there's a few ways of looking at astrology. You can look at it in, like, a predictive sense of, like, oh, these certain things are going to happen. Well, it's also a manifestation of the self. So, like, you know, if you know that you're going to have a really rough transit with Saturn or with authority or with, you know, deception, you can, if you're not, you know, really doing due diligence to focus and evolve on your, on your, your own personal growth, you're going to manifest that kind of thing in the physical world. It's going to happen. So you will get attacked or you will have this negative thing. But if you are, you know, really processing and, you know, evolving and being conscious of your patterns, you're not going to face it as difficultly or at all. You know, and so that's, there's a lot of schools of thought when it comes to astrology, and so that's why I kind of want to represent that, like, that, that different thing. Explain to me about manifesting. I mean, I know what manifesting is because, unfortunately, I do it constantly, but how are you accidentally manifest, or how do you, how can you, you know what I'm saying? So, okay, so for instance, one of the, the biggest uh, difficult challenges when it comes to astrology is the opposition. So when two planets or things are across the sky from each other, um, usually with certain planets, so like, uh, let's, let's use Saturn as an example. So Saturn, is, it creates uh, responsibility, it's sometimes hardship, and, and it makes things uh, difficult and colder. And so when it's exactly across the sky from you, it means that you're going to be challenged in partnerships. And so whether that's romantically or, you know, uh, in business or any of that kind of thing. So let's say, you know, you have been really putting in a lot of effort to make your relationships be very equal and very strong. 
Well, when this happens, it's going to make you actually find a deeper connection to each other so that you can make a stronger uh, commitment together that will last even longer. But if you haven't, it's going to destroy that right. relationship and take it away so you can find someone that's better. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so you may even be manifesting in a way of, oh my God, you're, my partner's being more you know, colder to me or you know, difficult to me. And it, maybe it's because you just haven't evolved enough to, to pick the right person. Yeah. And that's a form of manifestation. You know, we choose the relationships and patterns that we go into, you know, whether that be you know, unconsciously sometimes, but making them conscious is a big part of you know, therapy and psychology and spirituality and astrology because you know, it, it's as above, so below. We want to reflect you know, ourselves into the, into the cosmos, into our relationships, and into the reality that we're creating. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, and also what you're saying is that, you know, because like you were talking about losing your wallet, and you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that things like that were happening to people last week. You know, to me, I hear that, and I go, well, that takes some of the pressure and anxiety off of it. It's not really my fault. But what you're saying is things aren't just happening because that's what's going on in the cosmos that week. It, it's your your actions and your energies are manifesting it's those both. kinds of things. It's, it's both. both. It's all of that, yes. So, you know, that's why, you know, looking at, you know, predictive astrology, we can be like, oh, Jupiter in your love zone. So you're more likely to fall in love. But if you're, like, sitting in, you know, your couch being like, oh, here's love. I want it to come to me. That's not going to come to you. You have to go out there and... That is dead. what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, cool. Next, we are going to be talking about something very exciting that happened this past Monday. Um, today, we, we are pre-taping. Um, <laughs> Meghan Markle and Prince Harry had their baby, their first baby. It was born on the morning of May 6th, and we don't know the baby's name, but this is very exciting for anybody that is obsessed with British throne and all boy that good girl. stuff. I it's a, it's a boy. Oh, he's gonna be so hot. I know, and it's you know the first biracial baby. You know they think that maybe like a really long time ago there was some kind of biracial child had um, within the kingdom. What am I? What am I saying? The kingdom. What do we? What do we call it? Um, what do the they call? Empire? Yeah, the monarchy. Oh, the monarchy. I suppose monarchy. it is. So, but like this is the first official, you know, biracial child. People are trying to guess what the name of the baby is going to be, and Meghan Markle is also another woman who does not do things by the books, so every guess that people are having is probably going to be something different, and I mean, again, this was a super random pairing uh, for Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. They met in 2016. They got engaged. They were very, very in love. She quit her career, her show, um, Suits. And yeah, now they are living happily, and it's very exciting. We're welcoming someone new to the royal family. So I know Kyle was going to tell us a little bit about like what this day represents, and you know what are in the stars for this little boy. Well, just you know, even before we jump on that, let's talk about the parents. Yeah. So you know, Megan, she is, she is a Leo sun with a Cancer ascendant. So the ascendant is how she you know leads her life and and. It's the mask. It's the the first uh, way that we uh, connect with the world. And then we have Prince Harry, who is a Virgo son, and he is a rising Capricorn. So one thing that I was teaching or trying to teach you guys before was talking about the the house of partnership and the way that the signs are. 
What is the opposite of Cancer? Uh, whatever six signs away. I don't know. Capricorn. Capricorn. She's a Cancer rising. He's a Capricorn rising. So they are very compatible. Exactly. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So now, now, whenever we're looking at in the future, I feel like that you know, hopefully, and because the reason I'm really putting a, a big emphasis on this today is one of there's this adorable, adorable guy that I've done readings for, and he's just super sweet, and he listens to our shows, and Aww. yeah, and I just like he's just he's such a such a, a gem. Uh, he asked, he was like, can you explain some of the houses? Because like he doesn't, he's like, I want to learn, you know, and he's like, I love all the pop culture stuff, and I think it's hilarious, and I and it really it's it's a good teaching mechanism, but like. Can you can you tell me about like that? So, yeah. So that was just one thing I wanted to hit today. So looking at them, they are super compatible because of that. So they are going to complete each other, uh, in that way. So with the baby, I we I did find his exact time of birth mm-hmm. as we are looking at his natal chart. So I'm just calling him Royal. Okay. <laughs> baby Royal, Royal is he is a Taurus ascendant and a Taurus son. So what this is going to mean is that he is very purely Taurus energy, very, very distinctly. So, you know, he is going to be, you know, very uh, focused on uh, manifesting things in his life. He's going to be extremely loyal. He's going to be very grounded uh, because both, you know, with, with the Ascendant being the second, you know, I guess the, the, the other half of the persona with the Sun, like he's just purely that, you know, he's going to be very hardworking. He's going to be very focused on, you know, uh, really building things, re- relationships, and uh, a legacy for a long term, uh, and really taking it for a long, a long time. I've also, I don't know this for an exact fact, but I believe the, the British crown has so much Taurus energy. I believe, uh, I believe it's the Queen is a Taurus. Interesting. I, yeah, I, I, I just remember reading that a long time ago, so I'm, I'm sorry if someone is going to fact check me on that. But... You know, it, with him being a Taurus, there I just thought that was really, really interesting. Also, he is the most important thing that I wanted to highlight looking at his charts is that his sun is in the exact same place as his rising sign in the sky. So this means that he is going to be very, very powerful and very like very like self-assured, very creative. You know, very confident. Um, but he, like, and he's going to be a very powerful leader when he grows up. Uh, so that will be really, really crucial. However, he's also going to have a lot of struggle with arrogance and egotism, and you know, he's going to have it be, like find it difficult at times to be compassionate uh, because he thinks that he is going to rule the world. Oh wow! Okay. I mean, literally, that energy—that's what it means. So. You know, there. And I mean, but, she, but he's nowhere near the throne. I mean, like he'll never be. But he's still. <laughs> no, absolutely. You know, like well, he might rule the world as, as you know, around him at least. Well, yeah. and yeah. and also as something completely outside of the monarchy. Definitely. True. True. Uh, another area of his of his uh, chart is that his son is dancing really well with his points of achievement. So he's going to be very, like, have a very big impact globally. I mean, granted, that, and that's the thing that's weird about astrology is you can look at these certain things and be like, wow, you know, like, we already know that because he's in the royal family, but, like, there's that. Uh, so the sun, it has a really wonderful connection with Neptune. So the sun, focus, um, life force, Neptune, which is imagination and creativity. He is going to be very, very creative. He's probably going to have a very imaginative kind of uh, either career or spiritual he also maybe uh he's going to, he is going to eventually develop an intense compassionate energy and be very charitable to the world 
However, before he gets there, he's going to be super indulgent, very likely to be going into sort of like deceptive or, you know, like drugs or things like that. There, there will be a period of that for him. So, you know, that, that energy is going to be something that, that's going, that he's going to have to evolve through in order for him to have uh, his understanding of the higher good and, and collectively. So, Very yeah. interesting. Well, That's I, fascinating. It is. You know, hopefully over the years as we follow this little boy grow into a man, we can see if we are right, which I'm sure Kyle will be because Kyle's always right. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> That's good the second name of this show. Kyle's always right. <laughs> so next we are going Try to... Try dating me. That's hard. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, our celeb WTF. This week I wanted to pull out one of my favorite love triangles in Hollywood history, which is Jen, Brad, Angelina. You know, this was something since I was a little girl reading the tabloids. It was always on the cover of every magazine, and it honestly still is. There are still people out there that are like, Jen and Brad are going to get back together. Not going to happen. I really don't think so, but that is a question, Aww. you know, I will have for you guys. But just like a little rundown, so Jen and Brad made their debut as a couple in 1999. They got married in 2000. Then in 2004, that's when Brad and Angelina met on Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And 2005, he split from Jen, and um, then he was with Angelina for a very long time until they officially got married in 2014. Then Justin Thoreau came in the picture for Jen, 2015. Then 2016, Angelina filed for a divorce from uh, Jen, from Brad, and basically Brad and Jen were known to have been in a little bit of contact um, in 2017, and then in February of this year, um, Jen celebrated her 50th birthday, and Brad came and apparently gave her a very extravagant gift, and now they're friends. So what was, like, who was he most compatible with, and... What a good question. You know, or was it was it even? Was he meant to be with either of them? And is Brad compatible with Justin? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, looking at, you know, looking, yeah. All right, so let's take one at a time. So Jen is an Aquarius sun and a Libra rising. So that energy is very, very focused on air. Both are air signs. Then we have uh, Brad, who is a Sagittarius Sun and a Sagittarius Rising, so he's very, very fire. Air and fire, wildfire, you know, they ignite, you know, they can't, fire can't exist without air, you know, so they, they actually help each other grow. Uh, the one thing that is really interesting that I thought, though, is for uh, Jen, the way that uh, Sagittarius is related to Aquarius is actually through friendship. <laughs> Okay. So there's a natural flow that would actually work very well there. So, you know, that's not dif – it's, it's a natural flow. It's not going to be a hard uh, angle or difficulty for that. However, Angelina is a Gemini sun. So, again, we're going to go back to what we were talking about before with partnership. The opposite of Gemini is Sagittarius. So there's a completion, a yin and the yang kind of magne magnetism that comes to them. So that's why, you know – Brad and Angelina, I feel like their energy was much more uh, partnership, you know, focused, whereas Jen and Brad was more fun, and they had more, you know, spontaneity to it. The one thing I th also thought that was really interesting is, so Angelina's rising sign is Cancer, so that's, she's very maternal, uh, she's very family focused, and the reason there's a, like an incongruence between them is because he 
his rising sign is Sagittarius, and he's more spontaneous, adventurous, and, and more free spirited. Mm-hmm. And that and that doesn't work for her because she can be very controlling about that. Cancer energy is very very strong, and he's like, don't 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 tie me down like that, you know. Even though he can you can be you know be passionate about like for instance one of my good friends he is a Sagittarius he has wonderful family whom he loves but he still wants to fly and be free you know and so you know even if he comes back to the next he needs that ability to travel and to go do those things otherwise he gets bored yeah and in kind of chaotic so you know there is that so essentially Jen is a nice friend for Brad no I mean it it, it, it means that they can can have a really good friendship now. Okay, good. You know, and I mean, it, they can also be lovers. You know, they did have a passionate connection. Like I said here, it was, they, they're, they're both filled with fire and air, so there was passion, there was energy, there was, you know, creativity, there was fun. Yeah. And the, But the thing about it is that it was always really intense, you know. However, with Jen being an Aquarius son, one of the problems that I can see here is that she probably got really hot and cold. And, you know, at first it was a game for Brad, and he was like, ooh, you know, this is a challenge, this is fun. And after a while, when you just keep getting challenged like that, he's just like, fuck this, like, I'm out, you know? And and so that game, you know, it allowed him to be distracted by Angelina's powerhouse energy. So, with, you know, there were a lot of dates here. The date, that I, the date that I thought was the most interesting, I think kind of like of the, the change in pattern for them was when they were on the show, to, the, the, the film together, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So that was the middle of May uh, 2004. That's when you had that. Mm-hmm. So I put the middle of May into my research, and Venus was in Gemini. So for Brad, that was uh, in his uh, his. He was very divinely, romantically attracted to his partnership energy, and with it being in Gemini for Angelina, it was making her more beautiful. And then <laughs> Mars was in Cancer, which is her rising sign which means that she was very fiery, aggressive, sexual, and direct. So she, she did break that shit up. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Do you think that couples can break these rules? I mean, not that they're rules, but do you think that if, if, if a couple is completely incompatible in, in research that you do, do you think they can survive? Every single relationship takes work. And so, you know, you could be in the absolute most blessed and perfectly divine relationship but then you're not actually challenging each other to grow so it may actually just not really move you forward you know so like literally like let's say you you have you, you have your perfect match you know and and it's it, it, I don't know if that, I don't know I've never seen that I don't really think that there is a perfect match I really think that like every single relationship takes work and time and effort and emotion in you know really allowing you to get what you need, whether that be emotionally, psychologically, mm-hmm. sexually, spiritually, financially, you know. Um, I have one person that I thought was like my like divine soulmate match and you know, like we're not together. He wasn't. He was not. He was mm. not. Are you gagging it? Because you always hate when I do that. Yes, it's okay. It's all right. But that is a great segue into talking now about you, Jameson. <laughs> so we want to know, you know, career, love, like anything that really comes up. What What is your sign? I'm an oh, Aries. Oh, we said, yeah. of course. We're, he's an Aries. All right. All right, Kyle, do your thing. All right, so you're an Aries with a Virgo rising. So, okay, so for you, there's a new moon in uh, the days that follow July 31st. So... So Sam, I actually want to see if you kind of remember some of this. So what do you know about the new moon and full moon energy that we've talked about? 
quizzing me on the spot. Thank quizzing. you. Well, no, I mean, I, I mean, I'm happy to like. Yeah. No. Okay. So, it. new moon is like when we kind of are starting something like a new beginning. That's yeah. the time to manifest and put all that energy out into the universe. And I don't know much about full moons. What I do know is that people can act a little crazy around them. Yeah. So you know, going off what she was saying, so. In a new moon is when you have to take tangible actions to make something happen. So in your love sector, July 31st, for the 10 days that follow, you need to, if you're dating someone already, you need to be, like, planning fun dates. You need to be, like, really, you know, enjoying sensuality, do things, you know, having hot sex. Like, really just push putting that out there. If you're single or looking, you know, you would uh, try to find... Yeah, dates through friends or you want to however is the most organic way for you to bring in a lover and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be on you know just an app so you know scheduling dates so whether or not you actually find your like true next love then is is, is communicating to the universe that you want this energy to come into your life so another example that I use is like imagine that you're standing outside of a pond and you the pond is love and you're like I want love but you're standing there and you're looking at it. It's, you're not doing anything. The, the, the water's never not going to move. So you jump in. You dive in. And then the universe ripples and, and knows that you want that. So then at a corresponding full moon, which is actually going to be in 2020, in the beginning of the year, <clears throat> that's when you're going to have a full moon, a spotlight in this love area. So it's really crucial in you know the beginning of August for you to be putting that energy out there. See, I hear all that and all I think is... Well, okay, the end of August, beginning of July, I'm going to be in tech for a one-man play in Connecticut. Where am I going to find the time to do that? Which is what, sort of what you were talking about earlier, being a workaholic. Well, know? the funny thing is the same rule, area of love also rules art. So that's, what it, that's how it's focusing for you. Oh. Love and art in this are in the same place mm-hmm. in the sky for uh, each sign. So, you know, you're going to be feeling more creative and more fertile and more sexual because... Sex and creativity, they're, sa- they're the same mm-hmm. energy. And love, you know, that kind of love is, is passionate and, and igniting at that time. So you're going to be feeling more on fire with all of the things that are going on. You know, so if you can allow yourself to open your heart too, they'll both ignite. Well, good, because I'd like some good refuse. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is with you being an Aries son, uh, your career is going to be exploding for the next like year and a half. So uh, your first big moment was around uh, an eclipse since, uh, January 5th. The next one is going to be around July 16th, so you're going to have a big uh, momentous career moment then. Uh, the next one will be in the 10 days that follow Christmas of this year. And then Jupiter, the planet of good luck and good fortune, goes into this a pinnacle achievement point in the sky for you uh, next next year. And so all of next year, you're going to be just like rising and growing. And also with it, you being a Virgo rising, it's going to be directly created, uh, connected to things that you are creating and performing okay. and doing um, just because of that. So yeah, so next year is going to be really big for you in your career and creativity. Well, thanks. I love that. That's and is what it, I need. Because you've said similar things to me. Um, as a Libra, is that kind of, are we on similar timelines because he's an Aries, I'm a Libra? Exactly, yes. Okay, so I'm getting it. We're finally well, yeah. getting it. No, but it. this is amazing. Like, the fact that you were picking that up, that you're starting to see the circle, the pattern. And, and that's the thing about, you know, whether we're looking at it as, like, predictive or if we're looking at it as, like, intuitive. It, it's, you know, allowing us to see these rhythms so we can actually control our lives better. So I, I have a question because, uh, and it's sort of tangential, but uh, in terms of love, I, I seem to be 
uh, attracting, you know, through my own fault, I think, very unavailable people to my life, you know, uh, like as unavailable as it gets. So what is that something that I'm putting, you know, how do I fix that? Or don't I? So astrologically, you know, looking at this right here, so you're a Virgo rising. Mm -hmm. Saturn is in your house of love. So you're, you're actually being uh, forced since 2000, 2017 until 2020. You are uh, having to put in the hard work to find people that are actually going to be really good for you. So your, your, your love options are feeling very cold. So that, you know, you are going to have to find someone that is act probably actually more mature than you. Or, and, you know... That's easy. <laughs> you know, but it, it could be someone that's even older than you. Um, that's not so easy. <laughs> Literally, you know, with Saturn ruling, you know, age and, and time and, and maturity, you know, that's why, you know, with it being across in this specific area, it's making you having to, like, dig in your heels to do it, to your hooves or whatever you want to be, mm-hmm. you know, to make that happen. And, you know, if you don't, well, then you're just going to be alone, you know, in that energy, you know, like, That's I mean, sad. Well, I know that was so harsh. Yeah. Right? No, but the thing is, like, if you guys could have seen his face for that. <laughs> no, but it's like, I'm not saying it's like everybody should, you know, I'm not saying everybody should get everything they want in their life. You know, some people want love, some people don't. But if that's important for you, with Saturn being there, it means that you have to invest steady time and energy to do that. Well, and you make know, it a priority yeah. for you. It seems like what you're saying, what you've been saying about everything that you're talking about, is that nothing comes to anyone who sits back and waits for it. Exactly. Which I, you know, I always say, like if I were ever on the actor studio and he asks you know, what your least favorite word is, I think it's the word waiting. Mm. And you know, we do it. I've waited. I was waiting tables for a million years. Or, yeah. you know, I I think uh, one of the reasons, you know, why I. I I think, you know, as a born and raised New Yorker, sometimes I get a little complacent and I, because I'm so at home and in my comfort zone, I do sometimes just wait for something to happen. I'll wait for my agents to call or, you know, if that audition comes, it comes or if that, you know. And so what you're saying is, you know, that's sort of like the kiss of death, really. Mm -hmm. Well, we have to create our lives. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Well, I am going to have to move on to our special segment, which I did this week and I love it is, of course, Bang, Mary Kill, and we are going to be talking about three Tauruses. And I will say, this is a hard one I've come up with this week, okay? I don't think there's an easy choice. First one is Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock, Enrique Iglesias, or Jamie, uh, Jamie Dorman, who was uh, uh. Christian Grey in Fifty Shades of Grey movies. So who would like to go first? Bang, Mary Kill. I think our guest should. Yes. Okay. Jamie Dornan. Sorry, I can't read. You know what? This isn't that as hard as it sounds, actually, because um, uh, I think I would. Uh, this is easy. I would. I would marry The Rock because, first of all, he's the fucking Rock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's beautiful, and he's an incredible businessman, and he's actually pretty talented and smart, and mm-hmm. has created an empire based on himself. So yeah. the security there, and he also just seems sweet as could be, I think. I've heard very good things, yeah. Yeah, and then obviously you would bang Jamie Dornan, because, mm-hmm. I mean, you, why wouldn't you? Yeah. And then, uh, who, who Enrique would... Oh, Enrique. Oh, Enrique. I would just kill poor Enrique. Oh, no. Yeah. I know. I know. I never, he should have never got the mole removed. He's sort of unrecognizable now. I know. Mole, mole, mole. 
So Whoa. my, <laughs> that, I think that is literally, I quoted like Austin Powers 2 or 3 or something moly, there. Moly, moly, Yeah, that's, um. I think it was horny, horny, horny. Well, there's a, that too. There was several of those. Um, okay, well, mine is like basically identical. Um, I want to marry The Rock. He is supposed to be such a kind man. I have heard all these cool things that he's done for people. That's just really nice. And speaking of a tree that you want to climb. Yes. Yes. And yeah, I mean, I'd want to bang Jamie Dornan because you know, who wouldn't, you Mm -hmm. can see what he's capable of in those movies. And Enrique is, you know, he's supposed to, he was very sexy. I've looked up some recent pictures of him and I don't think he's this hot anymore. So seems like a nice dude, very talented, but yeah, I'm going to have to, to kill him. So I, you know, I, don't really know. I've never seen the movies with Jamie, unfortunately. What's wrong with you? I haven't seen them either. Jesus. I guess that's what, you know, gay men don't like them, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, and then Dwayne, he's just really not my type. Um, and Enrique, you know, he's he's sweet. So I think I would, if I'm just looking physically at these people, I, I would say Jamie, I'm going to marry because I could definitely wake up to that every morning. No problem. Yes. And be like, you know, and he's a Taurus, so like he's gonna be really good in bed, and he's gonna be, you know, sweet and you know romantic, and I, you know, want that. And Enrique, I would definitely bang. <laughs> yeah, I think I would bang him. You're looking at pictures of them right now, aren't you? Did you Google like <laughs> their names with the word naked? No. <laughs> I don't believe you. No. And Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> I feel like oh, I feel like he would crush me and I'd be laying there like, Get off, I can't breathe. Like I know, like I just now I mean, I'm sure he's really really wonderful, but I'm gonna let the other gay men and the straight women keep him. So okay. I'm gonna just let him be a ghost. Fair enough. Well, this has been so, so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us, Jameson. And thank thank you, you everybody here, for um, listening. And as we wrap up, we will tell you where we can, you know, uh, find each other on social media. So how about you? Uh, I am on Instagram and Twitter as at Jameson Stern, which is J-A-M-I-S-O-N. S-T-E-R-N. Awesome. And make sure to check out the show. Which oh, yes, week. please. So Last we night. are on uh, Amazon Video. We're called After Forever. And we're also on the Binge Network. And uh, we start shooting, they just announced we're shooting seasons two and three in the fall. And it's a beautiful, it's it's really good. It's a. It's basically, I mean, it's a gay series about men in their 40s and 50s, which is sort of not really ever done. And um, kind of about how uh, the reason it's called After Forever. It's basically what, how you m- move on after the person that you're supposed to be with forever is no longer with you. And uh, it, what 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 I was just saying to one of my co-stars last night, which I think is so amazing because we were getting so much social media buzz and so many friends reaching out. And all of these, all the girls that I went to high school with seem very moved by this series. A lot of women seem very moved by it, which we know it's not necessarily geared towards them but you know there's there's love there's marriage there's sickness there's i don't know what it is it, I, it, it's i feel like it's very cliche to say well i'm in this very universal show that happens to be about gay people but i don't know it, we, they just touched a nerve and uh people love it amazing and, you I, love know, yeah. I can't wait to watch it i haven't seen it yet so i'm definitely going to be checking that out soon but follow me on twitter and instagram because that's you know yes you it, know, see, it helps an actor out 
everything you're doing, which is a lot of fun stuff. Uh, you guys can follow me, Sam Davidson, at SamD43 on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, don't forget to follow Astro Kiki Radio at Astro Kiki Radio on Instagram. Yes, and shout out to our sponsor, Love by Luna. They have incredible crystal sets for Taurus and elixirs, so you should definitely check those out. You can do so on Instagram at Love by Luna and www.lovebyluna.co. My name is Kyle Thomas. You can follow me on Instagram at M-R-K-Y-L-E-T-H-O-M-A-S. Thanks for everything, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Astro Kiki Radio on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Astro Kiki Radio, and you can also check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. Make sure to join us next week, and don't forget, we are the only e-news of astrology. Thank you.